First round, make it count, toss it out, stir up the crowd. Second round, throw it down, knock them out, time to get loud. It's the Two Beer Podcast time. Bienvenidos, tras vuelta, and welcome back to your favorite weekly podcast, the pot of the everyman, the Two Beers Podcast. Coming at you live, bringing it on the real. I'm Jordan here with Drew. Drew, episode 97. 97. Oh man, I'm still. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, man. The last three days I've been uh, in between tears, smiles, tears, smiles, tears, smiles. Uh, what in regards to what the Better Call Saul finale? Tears, tears to the the finale and. Pretty much my last worth of deep diving on a show, basically. And uh, but then I think I think about this upcoming weekend, the card. And I start to smile. Lot of boxing, lot of boxing. If you're new to the podcast, welcome Plus, aboard. Yeah, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Two Brew Nation, the Two Brew Crew. Uh, what I, were you gonna uh, say? I I'm also excited. Um, but we're gonna inch you to the to the world of Westeros. It's gonna, it's gonna happen. The world of what? Westeros. Okay. Is that the dragons thing? <laughs> yeah, it's the one with the dragons. All right. Yeah. You're getting there. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, that's First cool. episode. We're going to see if you buy in. All right. We'll get there. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. All right. Well, if you're new, we do a thing. It's called the Two Brew Salute. Assume positions, everyone, for the world famous. Three, two, one. One. Ah, yeah, there we go. Uh, man, I was just admiring this beer. I was having one yesterday. Um, I had it last episode too. Pseudo Sue Toppling Goliath. Just, uh. it's just so good. Like it is it the? It's like you're welcome. I'm not saying it's the best, but it might be the best. It might be the best IPA out there. I Hetty Topper is an IPA, right? I mean, it, it, that's Hetty Topper is a double. This is a pale. This isn't an IPA. This is just a pale ale. Just a pale ale. Yeah. yeah. See, this is if you're if you're looking for people that see. I joked with Jordan a few weeks ago. We've got to change the name. I was drunk. I was I was I was I was drunk in my backyard. Definitely not on the road. I was like, you know, maybe the name's hurting us because people see two beers. They think we we know a lot about beers, and I'm like. I don't even know shit about beers. <laughs> <laughs> I just assume if something's not a, a for middle... year and a half, I've been wanting to do the beer episode where I actually walk <laughs> you through all the beers, and I just can't make it. If happen. I like, if it's not Miller Light or Corona Light, I'm like, oh, it's got to be an IPA. Not the yeah. case. Not the case. Something like that. What yeah. are you drinking, Drew? Uh, fresh, fresh out of the tap, Montauk Brewery. Actually, from the brewery. From the you, brewery. You, you were physically in the brewery. I was there. I was there. The uh, their uh, their seasonal uh, summer ale. Oh, good. Tasty. You said seasonal. I thought it was gonna be a pumpkin. No, pumpkin gonna, season uh, is is almost here, my friend. Friend, friend of the pod, Al Cooley, will be uh, enjoying the pumpkin beer from there in a few weeks. I'm jealous. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Maybe I, he can I, ship. Can you ship? You can ship beer, right? You can. I yep. might. I might. He might have to do that. I have to ask him to ship me some beer. Yeah, I don't know how, but people do it all the time. He for can sure. ship it, and then I can do the the Howard Hamlin, uh, Chuck McGill spin thing to make sure it doesn't explode. <laughs> oh boy! 
You know All what right. though? This this pod this pod is gonna have so many examples of why we're the pod everybody should listen to and not these stupid ass hot take shows because Look, la- ah! last week and this week between boxing boxing and sports just all over and your boys here at the two brew the two brew salute crew are are gonna just give you the facts jack it may not be accurate information but it's gonna be the facts look we um uh what am I trying to say? Sometimes we could do deep dives. Sometimes we do topical. But man, we have a deep dive episode here. Man, boxing. Yeah. So much boxing. So so much boxing. So let's get into it. Yeah. Well, here's perfect. Perfect. You wanna you wanna do undercard or main main event from last week? Um, from last week. Yeah, last week. We what recap. Was, what was the recapping undercard? last week? Yeah, yeah. What? what oh, well, I, 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 to me, I'm, there's only one main event, so. I call uh, everything that's not the main event the under the undercard. There was so, a co-main. Uh, our boys. Co-main. Xander. Apologize. Yeah, Xander. Xander Zayas. Yeah, let's just start with Xander. I mean, Z- Xander Zayas is awesome. As mo- <sighs> man, him and Keyshawn are just gonna. Man, top rank just has so many good young prospects. It's insane. So many. Uh, Xander's just he's so easy to root for. He's electric. He wasn't. It, we even joked around that he, uh, he – it seemed like he put his foot on the gas because he was just in like a fight mood where he just – he wanted a knockout. He wanted to dazzle the crowd. He was still kind of – he was so upset he couldn't be part of the um, – what was it? The Puerto Mexican – the, Yeah, the Puerto, the Puerto Rican Day uh, parade card with, with Berlanga. I'm sure Top Rank was disappointed after the Berlanga incident that he wasn't there either to take some of the shot off of that. Um that he was getting touched up a little bit more than he usually would have, a little, little, a little uh, irresponsible at times. But he was getting hit like less than ten times per round. So yeah, yeah, it was um, funny. It, it it was what a fourth round or fifth round knockout. Uh, I don't even remember. I, I, think, I think it was, it was a fourth. I mean, yeah, he had a he had a knockdown with uh, he, he had a first round knockdown, which barely. I mean, it was just like a, a, a he barely even threw a hook. It just knocked this guy down. Um, and then yeah, then in the fourth, it was kind of a controversial stoppage. I, I still don't know. Yeah. Both both fights actually, I thought were like yeah. weird stoppages. Like why? Um, but I mean, whatever. He knocked the guy almost through the ropes. Uh, yeah, he's awesome. Like I, our, our buddy, our buddy Goff, uh was was traveling, and he's like, "Oh, I missed it. How, did how did Xander look? Did, or did he dominate? Did he win? Uh, yeah, yeah or did, did he win? Did he dominate? Yeah. I said, is the Pope Catholic? Yeah. But uh, I, I said, actually, it was his toughest opponent, meaning that he actually got punched like five times around. I'll be curious <laughs> how. And I was, huh, I was, I was, I was hoping uh, this might because I, I threw in a question to the Canobio show to Tim Bradley about Xander. Um, when do, he's only nineteen, so he's only nineteen. I think he's fourteen and 0, 15 and 0, something like that. Well, I already listened to their podcast. What was your question? Why did tell? Um, or well, unless unless I unless I just missed it while I was uh, enjoying some of that Montauk brew on my uh, my deck. Uh, my que- my question was: When do you think Xander gets a title shot in a what weight class? Uh, he did ask that. He didn't did he? fight you. Did he, I miss it? Maybe I missed it. Okay. Yeah, because well, he said, "Where do you think Xander settles in at?" And he said, "One sixty. Oh, so kind of the okay, yeah, one sixty. I got gotcha. you. So he just he just phrased it a little bit different. He put that that charming Kenobi spin on it. Uh, yeah, one sixty. That's probably that's probably where he ends up getting his first title shot. 
the problem is everybody, you know, he's probably still too green to, you know, to Go fight. against Charlo right now. Well, I was going to say, the other guy, yeah, Charlo, yeah. Charlo's got all the belts at 154. And to be honest, PBC owns 154 right now. Um, between Figueroa, not Figueroa, um, who's the tall, the, the tall, lanky dude? Do I still don't know if he's good yet? Is it Fundoro? Fundoro, yeah. Yeah, like a lot of Castaño, like a lot of those guys, like, yeah, PB, they're all PBC guys. So that's going to be tough to make anyway, uh, top rank. But like 160 probably would be where he ends up because you, you got to figure the other Charlo will move up eventually because he's like it, it ain't like he's fighting anybody at 168. So well, like, he's what's... 19. Those guys. Oh yeah, for 30s, sure. But yeah, yeah. Like yeah. they're gonna they're probably not gonna cross paths quite honestly. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, the only way he does that is if well, not necessarily because Charlo, Charlo eventually Char- once once one Charlo moves to 168, the other will move to 160, and if that's where Xander Xander settles, who knows. Um, but I think it'll be it'll it'll be a while before uh, unless Charlo vacates and those belts get kind of sprayed around. I, we're not going to see him at a title shot anytime soon. And again, like I I, I don't even know who at one fifty four top rank can really put him in with. That's like an interesting fight. Yeah, I I don't know. So um, it's he's running out of runway here just because he just makes everybody look ordinary. Like that. Like correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but this guy never been even knocked down before, right? Who Xander? No, Z- Xander's guy, like whoever Xander's no. opponent. Oh, Xander. that guy. Oh, I don't. Uh, I don't think he had been stopped before. Yeah, I don't even think. But I can't remember if it was Tio's guy or Xander's opponent. But nah, Tio's guy, of, he he lost by knockout. His one not his one. Uh, one well, then lost. this guy had never been knocked down before, and then Xander and Xander. Yeah. Well, and, Z- and he knocks him down in the first round of the fight. <laughs> in the first round. Yeah, it was so, insane. He's yeah. just insane. Yeah, I mean, we we love him. Uh, God, we're gonna we're gonna be buying beach houses with with the the payoff on that stock. Yeah, we we were angel investors. When the IPO hits, we're gonna get paid so so much on it. Yeah, um, I can't wait. Uh, just so good. Um, and so the other fight, the, the other co-main, Tiafimo's back back in action. Um, here's and like here here here's where like we differ from all these other places in my opinion like like can't we just like can't we just say like what's there like listen Tio Tio looked fine against the guy that he was matched up to look fine against and get a win and it went by knockout like the two the two extremes that have been on social media are just insanity like on one end you have Tio's back. My God, he looked like vintage Roy Jones again. Uh, he's gonna run through everybody in 140. And then on the other end, it's man, he didn't really look that great. He didn't have good balance. Like he probably, he probably isn't gonna survive at 140. Like can we, can we just say like I think we, we said it on last week's podcast. I think we we were joking that uh, Porter had made a comment about it last week too. Like why, why, like it's not even worth wasting time. Like previewing that fight, it's like. He's gonna knock this guy out. Like, it's yeah. you know, that's it. Like this, this is a guy he's he's going to beat. Like, it, we're, it <sighs> took a lot more to knock the guy out <sighs> than we thought. Than, yes, than, and as it came out, like he only sparred for two weeks and only I, I sparred, don't buy. I only still sparred don't buy for fifteen rounds. I don't believe that. I, I think that's. I think that's jet. That I think that's I, th- punk. I think that's all part of their like. They're just yeah. I we'll, we'll get to the other stuff, but yeah, I I don't believe that. I I don't. I truly don't. Yeah, um, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, he looks athletic. He looks good. He looks fine. Like, people, it was funny. Like, people, like, I just get annoyed. It's like, look, you're, you're, you look good, but like, you're taking punches. So, I was going to say, the only, the only, than be flashy and like try to like, quote unquote, wow the crowd, why don't you just stay focused and get this guy out of there? Because that will also wow the crowd or just like putting on a punishing display. Yeah, but what like, was funny ra- was ra- like rather than wow the crowd with a punishing display, like he just tried to do like fancy crap and he took shots because of it. Yeah, and, and he was like, like the- doing like and he was doing like that fancy stuff where like when punch like there's a sequence where they showed him like back in the corner and he's like dodging and moving, but like Campus not even throwing punches half the time. He's doing that, and then he went in the corner and started like shaking his ass. Shaking it's his like and- I'm like Camp, like Campus not even throwing at you like. And it, like, it's almost like he was trying to do, like, the Tyson Fury against, um, uh, not Wallen, but the other guy. Yeah. Where, yeah. like, the other guy's actually throwing punches, and Fury's, like, dipping and dodging out of the way as a heavyweight, and I was like, oh, wow. Like, Tio's not And I don't know, like, yeah, like, it's not, I, there's no, there's nothing to really take, the only thing to take away from that fight is that, you know, he, he's not completely mentally broken from the beat he took from Cambosis, and that's what it was, like. You know, I mean, it was not not a beating. Yeah, that he, he was not he was not in shape for that fight. Like, yeah, agreed. That's what I'm saying. He, that's that's he, the only like that's everything. Only... Like Timothy Bradley even said after the broadcast because I stayed up listening to the broadcast and Timothy Bradley said like his his asthma is going to give him trouble because he was breathing too heavy. Which I don't know about all that. That being said, Tiafimo was gassed and like he lost his mouthpiece in that fight. Like I saw then, that. Yeah, that was weird. And they didn't even rinse it off in the broadcast. <laughs> he just like, put it back in. He just put it right back in his <laughs> mouth. Yeah, it was so weird. Um, but yeah, like, that was it. I thought you know, and not, like nothing about that fight changed my mind. Like I think that, I think he, I think he runs through. I think Jose Ramirez is a terrible match. Like, he is a terrible matchup for for Ramirez. He'll he'll knock him out. Um, he'll I, knock Ramirez out. Yeah, after watching yeah. the tail after the watching the way that he fought Taylor, yes, I think I I don't think that's he I don't think he would be TFEMO. Ta- Taylor made for TO. Yeah. Correct. And I don't like Barboza. I he's like TO. I TO I don't know that if he'll knock him out, but he'll beat him. Like the only guy the I'm, only guy, I'm less convinced on Barboza that it'll be that easy, but I anyway. Am. I'm not. But like the only guys at 140 like the only guys at 140, like they all say, are the top guys right now. Like I, Taylor, I think is a tough fight, and he could still be, he could beat him. But I think Taylor is a tough fight, and uh, I think Progray is a tough fight because I think Progray strong, like For that sure. shit, like taking those taking those shots that he takes. Like if you're taking them from like Progray, like you're that's gonna wear your ass down. Um, and uh, and that's really, and I mean Garcia, like I I still I'm not there with him at 140 yet. Um, just because he fought Fortuna, who's not one for, but like that's uh, right. what makes that what makes that fight. I think we said this after. I think I said this after the Ryan Garcia fight. What makes that fight so interesting is they both have the same flaw that they both get. They both take like clean flush shots that they shouldn't be taking. So like if one of them catches that, like catches the other's power, like they're going down. Like that fight is a, that that fight ends in a knockout. Like that fight doesn't go the distance because they they they're both not completely responsible defensively and you know so it's really who it's really who lands who lands clean first between the two of those guys so um yeah and they're i mean and of course like i actually was gonna give his dad credit because like i actually thought i didn't notice his dad until he came out came out in the ridiculous like the memes of him like as goldfinger 
in that ridiculous Bud Light outfit were hilarious. But like <laughs> he he wasn't screaming and hollering at the way in. Like he was, you know what I mean? Like it seemed like he was letting Tio kind of have his moment in the sun and then as soon as it ended he's like jumping in front of the cameras when tio's posing which people got great shots at they're like yelling into the camera we told everybody i'm like you guys were like whether who, who, who are you talking to you guys were minus three thousand favorites like who yeah you know what i mean it was just, they're just they're just so weird sometimes and then like tio's like he's like talking about god this and that then he's dropping f-bombs but then he's like but then he's like calling out it's so funny he's like he's calling out all these guys at 140 who all have fights lined up but then he's like you know he's talking about having his inner peace and happiness but then he's like calling out ramirez and taylor for like getting married like if you want to choose your like if you want to if you want to go get married instead of fighting this it's like what do you like do you listen to yourself before you start rambling on bro no he just it's just a meandering so yeah, it's just crazy. And they're like, oh, man, like we're the big ticket. We're we're the it factor. It's like, dude, they, they put your fight in a, a hall with 3,000 people. Like That uh, was kind of embarrassing. Actually. That's what I'm that, saying. That it's was like, such a small venue. And, and that, that's where, like, I, I wish those are the things that I wish these guys would learn. Like, the that whole, was, that the whole was, thing. Like, I've, I've been in, like, independent wrestling shows that have, like, as many fans as that. Like, Jeez. Yeah, and like they're, you know, the whole thing, like part of the whole thriller fiasco that just, it just kind of made them, like, people just laughing at them was, you know, the dad, more the dad than Tia. You can't but like, sell. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're going to, and le- I, I love when Leonard Elevate. <laughs> I love when he, he brings this up. He was crazy on Twitter on Saturday when they were like, dude, we're getting two million buys. We got JLo. It's like, all this stuff it's like okay you didn't get any of that oh they were gonna they were gonna move floyd off his date like floyd better think twice before booking the same date as them yeah that okay well they moved pretty quickly but like and then after the fight they're screaming about december 10th like they're gonna be on pay-per-view it's like you're not gonna no, be you're on pay-per-view. Not. You're and, not. And, and what's bad about that is it just makes it seem like they can't, again it like they, can, they set just, themselves up for failure. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, it's like bro, like like you just you make it seem like that it's in like it's been discussed that you're going to be on pay per view that date, and then when you're not, it's going to be like oh shit. Well, clearly they looked at it and said oh this guy's not going to make us any money. He's not a draw. We got to take it on pay per view. When in reality, like you're ne- you were never going to be like you have a pay per view. Yeah, they're just terrible yeah. At business. Yeah, like you have a pay per view in your deal, but like just think like, there's no one. Wasn't, for- there some, wasn't there something out there, Drew? Sorry to cut you off. Wasn't no, there something fine. out there that they they. They bought like fifty thousand worth. Of I did see that they bought, which isn't unusual that like you buy, but but it's funny so because it's fifty thousand is the entire haul. <laughs> There's yeah, not, it's pretty funny. Like, that's that was that so small. Fifty thousand is that entire building. Yeah, it was it it was funny how there was some of that stuff. And again, like I'm not, you know, that's why I think that like the you know the hot takes all, all over the place about this fight were just like like is this a why do you have to build like is this the only way to build content is to like go this crazy like just. Again, just call a spade a spade. It's like, yeah, listen, he, he looked good. Like, he didn't, you know, he he didn't, you know, he wasn't perfect, you know, but, you know, he didn't see, his mental seemed okay. Like, he seemed good to where, you know, again, he's not damaged goods coming out of that fight. And again, like, I'm again, the, the other, the stuff afterwards, like that, they clearly haven't learned, like, how to work the business side of things. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, 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 I haven't given up hope that he does fight Ryan Garcia next. I just, I mean, Barboza is, it would be hilarious if they don't get the highest, if they actually don't get the fight on that date after they were, like, shouting it out to everybody. <laughs> It'd be so funny. Um, 
but like I just I don't know, man. Like that that fight's I I, just, I don't see the tank fight happening in JoJo, who would have been Gar- like I don't know who else Ryan Garcia would fight. So maybe they can get something to happen. But yeah, all right. Uh, that, I, I, that I don't have to talk. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I, again, I just thought that was a perfect example of like what's different about us. Like we don't have to go on some extreme about how good he looked, or you know, we're not even yeah. huge fans of his. Like we don't need to trash him. Like he looked adequate in a fight. He was supposed to he was supposed to win. That's it. Like. On, you have to win these fights. So that's number one. Now you get to go to the next one, and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll see him step up. So keep pro- building momentum. Exactly. Get get in the ring. That's the most important thing. Get oh, back in, get in the, the ring. ring. Um. Okay. Uh, moving on from that. Uh, before we get to this weekend's cards, and again, boxing is going to be like a full hour this week. So Hell yeah! Buckle up, Hell everybody. Yeah. Um, Loma is back. The Matrix. He's coming back. Likely to, to be up. October 22nd. My birthday is October 25th. Wink, wink. Uh, likely or possibly. I don't know about likely, but possibly New York City. I I don't I don't know how how uh, how valid that guy is who responded to um, Dan Raphael's tweet about talking to Aram and it being pot. They're trying to get the garden for that. I have no idea who that guy is, but he's got a blue check. So I'm like, I'm going to pretend like he knows what he's talking about. And I'm going to go get to see Loma. <laughs> I'm going to go get to see Lomachenko again. Um, Dude, if, if Loma's in Vegas, we should go to that. Uh, it's possible. Yeah. Possible. We could do that. But I mean, can we, I don't, I don't, can we pull off Vegas twice in three weeks? Why? What's the other? Vegas well, I mean, assuming Crawford Spence ever gets fucking announced, like that would be in Vegas two weeks later. Please, oh, I mean, we can just stay in Vegas for three weeks, work remote. We could if it's in if it's in L if it's in Airbnb. L, yeah. yeah, if it's in L, I mean, if it's in New York, I'm 100 percent there. And if no I'm, one's I'm pumped, sure, I'm sure Ant with if, two uh, G's would let would let us bunk up with him uh, for a couple weeks. That'd be so awesome. Uh, <laughs> be like, guys, we'll we'll just sweep the floor of the Port Away podcast. We'll just like sweep the floors. We'll like do some stuff. Like, can we just stay with you guys so we can check well, out these? We fights? have so much damn merch. We'll just show up wearing the merch. And they'll, they'll think we work there. Uh, that'd be so funny. Oh my god. Um, yeah, if it's in New York, I'll I may just go by myself and just get a ringside ticket. Uh, and then, uh, or I mean, if, it's if it's in New York, I'm coming with you. Okay. And, uh, hence the birthday comment. Wink, wink. Well, I know what you mean. It's a, yeah, it's a long drive, man. You've been making some drives for these things. Um, if it's in LA, I might just use my points and just go. I don't know. You know, you might not see too many, too many more fights of this guy. So that's, wanna, a, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's basically, you know, I'm going to get him while you I, can. I still regret not going to Nakatani when I had a chance, but that's fine. But yeah, he's fighting, uh, What's his name? Ortiz, who just fought. He just beat Jamel Herring, sixteen and zero, one draw. And hey, hope it's you know it's a it's a bigger. He's a bigger guy, so you know he's kind of you know he's not Tiafimo Lopez, but his body. He's got the same body type. He's a skilled guy. Again, he's he's right outside the top ten um, of 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 what do you call it of the lightweight division. It's a fight Loma should win. Uh, you know, it's a stay busy fight. The whole the whole plan. That's October twenty second. Uh, there's a Melbourne press conference on Monday. I'd be sh- if that's not to announce Haney Cambosis two for October fifteenth. Uh, we'd all be shocked, right? I don't know what else they right. could be doing. Yeah, that, that, that's yeah. Crazy. So, and it's just going to be a build up for these two guys, you know, to get Haney uh, Lomachenko in uh, in twenty twenty three. Now that will be a Vegas fight. Ah, oh, man, I have to go to that. But um, another example of like crazy like extremes between like on twitter after this was announced between like 
Loma <laughs> this thing where like Loma's taking like, people are acting like he's ducking Haney well people are acting like Lomachenko and Devin like like Devin's fan base is acting like Lomachenko is is preventing Loma Haney next and like De- like Loma some of Loma's fan base is like well Haney should pay the step aside fee for Kempo like can we just can we all just cut the crap <laughs> Like no, the only per the only person that could allow a Lomachenko Devin Haney fight is George Cambosis, and the only way he would do that is if they pay him like ten million dollars to step aside. Like yeah, a- after after this fight with with Haney, there's probably no amount of money. He probably wants the belts back. Like there's but not, probably no yeah, amount of money. But that's what I'm saying. But even if there was, it would be something crazy. Like he's never going to get paid a like this two fight deal that he's got. He's never getting these paydays ever again. Like this is setting up like him and his family. Like for whatever how much, maybe he'll make twenty million dollars, maybe less, whatever it is. Like that's these fights. If he were to, if he were to take a step aside, just say he took it for five million bucks, right? And he's supposed to get ten on the back end. If Haney were to beat Lomachenko, Haney's probably moving up to one forty and vacating. Why the fuck? Why would he go back to Australia to fight him yeah. after being undisputed and then beating Lomachenko? He's going up to one forty, so all the belts are going to get vacated. So Cambosis isn't going to get that fight. And then if, or on the flip side, if Lomachenko, Lomachenko might retire. His last goal in boxing is to be undisputed. Once he does that, he may retire. And then the belts get vacated and Cambosis is stuck with not getting that money. So it's like, can we just stop? Like, we don't need, can't, can't, like, like Loma fan bay, just stop. Like, just look at it. Like, there's a contract. He's got a rematch clause. Like, we just saw it with Deontay Wilder. I I was going to say, and to your point, like, we just saw Wilder, uh, they tried to make Fury Joshua, and Wilder was like, "Oh, contraire, mon frere." Yeah, I, I'm suing. I have, a, I have a rematch clause. Yeah, and I'm and suing. He exercised you. it, and he sued it, and he won. So they yeah, had Fury Wilder. I three. Feel, and uh, and we, we we had like an intelligent exchange with this one guy, which was yeah. A lot of times you don't get that with on Twitter, but like a guy was like, "Yeah, it's a fair point, but there still was a lot of money to be made in Wilder Fury three. The amount of money that would have been made from Fury Joshua in the UK alone, I would have doubled it." I was gonna say triple, like UK, like the UK, UK love boxing and love their their fight. Like they, they, people joke about it because people all back, you know, they're you know, US fans are fickle with everybody. But like the UK guys, they support those. Dudes. Like I would have, I think it would have tripled up with that. They would have, yeah. it would have been in Wembley, ninety thousand. Fury Fury sold ninety thousand tickets for friggin' um, Chisora. <laughs> no, no, uh, Dillian White. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Dillian White. About about the same thing. Um, <laughs> well, it just Trezor has been calling out Fury yeah. for some reason. Yeah, yeah, like like Fury, like they may they they may have had they probably would have to build an addition onto Wembley Stadium. That's how much demand would be for that fight. So yeah. it is what it is. But let's that's right. just, yeah. good to have Loma back. Let's roll this weekend. And and the Bronze Bomber back. Good to have him both. Oh yeah. Back. Oh yeah. Don't. I'm probably gonna so, go to that Barclays October 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 fifteenth. Speaking uh, of October fifteenth, yeah, yeah. So I'd have Hellenius. to. I'd have to. I'd have to tape Haney Cambosis, but that's fine. Yeah, Deontay Wilder's back, uh, and the other bomb and then you have um, Bomb Squad, uh, and uh, and then Plant. Um, what's his face? Uh, I always forget his name. He wears like the Michigan State stuff all the time because he's from Detroit. Uh, is the is gonna be the co-main. Um, okay. For that fight, I don't know. Yeah, but that's gonna Sweet be all right. hands getting back in the ring. That's good. yeah, but I can't. Oh, I can't wait for a while. like yeah, Wilder's a guy again. Like if he, if he had gone hard, Hellenius, yeah, oh yeah, Bomber, and then Sweet Hands is the co-main. That's great. Yeah. Oh yeah, and remember, like if Wilder hadn't gone on that crazy like eight month binge about like 
his team poisoning his water and Fury's gloves, like you know, people people wouldn't be questioning like how good Deontay Wilder is. Like Wilder's, like again, he's got he's got the greatest equalizer in the sport. Like that right hand or Carson was uh he tweeted out a picture or he tweeted out something a picture of him and um next to Wilder and he's like basically it basically Wilder's right hand is the equivalent of Thanos' snap. <laughs> like and it's true that's exactly what it is like he I I always quote him if you're fighting him you've got to be perfect for twelve rounds he's only got to be perfect for half a second boom you're done. Yep. So. Good stuff. Good good fight announcements. And again, still no, still nothing on the fight that everybody needs and wants to see, which is just depressing. Huh. Yep. Okay. So this weekend, um, let's let's start with PBC real quick. Do it. Um, they, they got they got a, a three fight card, but actually Brandon Lee is on the uh, prelims on that one. So um, you know, a little up and coming fighter. Um, I did want to check real quick to see. Oh no, that was check, that was the check, other one. Check it. Anyway, check it. that was the other one. Um, I'll pull that up while I'm talking about this. So little three fight. Um, supposed to be Adrian Broner. He pulled out for mental health. Uh, they they put in Lippinets um, versus Figueroa. Um, and Lippinets actually is the favorite now. Okay, that's fine. That's the that's the main event. Uh, the the fight I'm actually interested in is. Hector Garcia versus, um, I think his name is Roger Gutierrez. But Garcia is the guy that actually made Chris Colbert look stupid at, yeah. at 130. Had no, I didn't realize he was even fighting this weekend. Yeah, so, and, and Gutierrez has a belt. So, it's, I just think it's cool that, like, Garcia took that fight, beat Colbert, or Colbert, or whoever, whatever. I think took, it, took it on, what, a week? It was, like, a week's notice, right? Yeah, and now, now he's getting a championship fight out of it. So, like... Uh, that's sweet. Stay Gutierrez ready. is twenty six three and one. Um, uh, Garcia is fifteen and zero. Gutierrez is twenty seven. Garcia is thirty. Um, so I, I'm, I'm pumped. I really want to watch that one. Um, again, this is Shakur's division. He has two belts, so that that adds some intrigue to it. Which, although they're PBC, so they're not. It's not like they're ever going to cross over. But yeah. theoretically, theoretically, they could. Um, Garcia is actually favored minus two sixty five, and Gutierrez, the champ, is plus two hundred. So mm. rather even, but you know Garcia is a slight favorite. Um, so just wanted to bring that up about the um, the PBC card. It starts at eight p.m. and it is on um, Showtime, and it's at the Hard Rock Casino in Hollywood, Florida. Uh, this weekend we're we're fighting from Saudi to San Diego. There, it's going to be boxing from like. 2 p.m. to like 1 a.m. It's gonna be nuts. Um, and this this one's Whew. this card's smack dab in the middle of all that. Um, which then we'll jump out to the top rank card out in San Diego. Um, uh, did you have anything to m- mention on the PBC card? Absolutely not. Not okay. Not. Um, so then on the top rank card out in San Diego. Um, we are going with, um, well, first, before Vaquero, uh, Nico Ali Walsh is, is, oh yeah, that's right. He's back. Yeah. He's like, he's, oh, he's up to minus 3000. We've got a nice, Um, nice five round fight coming up for him. 
something like that. I don't even know, quite <laughs> quite frankly. Um, da, 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 da. Uh, <coughs> and then I guess I think Alberto Puelo and Akhmadov, and Akhmadov is is a Ukrainian. He's on this. He's a slight favorite in that card. I don't know anything about those guys, but just the fact that the odds are close is kind of intriguing. Um, and then on the main event of that, Emmanuel. El Vaquero Navarrete. Navarrete. Back in. Versus Eduardo Baez. Um, Navarrete. We haven't seen him in friggin' 10 months since yep. since uh, October of 21. Um, Eduardo Baez. Uh, let me get my notes because we just saw him, Drew. Uh, we saw him on the undercard of. Um, Oh shit! What what was the fight? Uh, da, da, da. Oh, in in March uh, on the undercard of Burchelt Nakatila. Okay. He was he he was the guy that like they were just throwing tons of punches, but they couldn't knock. They they threw sixteen hundred punches in that fight. And, and no knockout. Nah, no knockdown or nothing. So, um, but he's a come forward. He's Mexican, just like Navarrete. Just throw tons of punches. Um. So it's going to be fireworks for sure. Uh, Navarrete's last opponent was Yoet Gonzalez. Um, that was a hard-fought fight. He won by unanimous decision. Um, so, really, uh, did you do the tail of the tape for this one? No, I don't think we need to. Do you? Uh, no, no, that's fine. No. Um, Navarrete. He's fa- he's a minus fourteen hundred favorite, so prohibitive favorite. Um, what do you think the over under rounds is? Uh, nine and a half. Ten and a half. Ten. Wow. All right. All right. And the over is minus one thirty-five. Okay. Uh, I guess. I guess Vegas just thinks that based on the punishment this guy took last time and didn't go down, that Navarrete is not going to get him out either. He didn't get a. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, he didn't win by knockout or stoppage. His he, last he, fight. Bo- he both. Yeah, both guys went the distance the last fight, so that's probably what they're thinking. Um. And Navarrete's, you know, just starting to move up in weight class, so that's that's uh, a thing as well. Yeah. Um. Li- but the under ten and a half live uh, plus one hundred five live dog. If you ask me, live dog. Um, I think Nav- I think he comes back and wins by knockout. I do too. I think we get. A, I think. I think. I think there's a. I think he gets a few knockdowns in this fight. I, I think I think it's going to be sim- I forget who he fought. But guess what? For whatever reason, Vegas, at least my app, doesn't have like the cards versus the KO breakdown. Uh, oh, okay. On, the odds. I was going to say, I, whoever he fought two fights ago is how I, I think this fight will go. Where the you know he'll he'll get a couple of knockdowns and bunches, and it'll look like the guy's going to survive. And then Navarrete just just either he just he's just be he's just landing too much too much punishment to where the corner stops it, or it's just a ref wave off. Yep. And like I said, that's that's um, in San Diego, 11 p.m., regular ESPN on after UFC. So I'm sure it'll actually start like 11.30 because ESPN. Well, it'll be, yeah, so his last fight. He, he went on at like 1 a.m. Yeah, and that was the last time he was in San Diego. So, yeah, it'll be the same thing. It, yeah, it's going to be like 1 a.m. So um, that's – I know. We're, I'm going to be hurting Sunday. Oh, yeah. I hurt myself today. She broke my heart, so I broke her jaw. Um, okay. Da, 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 which leads us to... Oh, not my Better Call Saul notes. 
I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you, Anthony. I'm feel. I'm very feel. I'm very feel. Joshua Usyk 2. 2. Oh, baby. It didn't even have a home. uh, I should say, didn't even. A U.S. broadcast home. A U.S. broadcast home until this week, so it's The Zone. Um, not pay-per-view, just a regular subscription. Thank you very much. Um, and that that's a heck of a card, too. Uh, they got Hergovich versus uh, Big Bang Zhang. Callie Smith. Ka- yeah, Callum Smith at 175. I mean, his I last, his first fight at 175 was that brutal. The twitching on the ground. Yeah. yeah. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing Callum Smith, uh, Big Bang Zhang, and Hergovich. That that should be entertaining. Um, and then and then Usyk Joshua, the main entree. Which of note in Saudi Arabia, they actually are having a women's fight. Um, th- so that's I, mean, I don't I don't know who they are, but I think one girl's name is actually Ali. Um, but nonetheless, uh, a women's fight in Saudi Arabia. Um, so Joshua Usyk too. Uh, where do you want to go from from here, Drew? Well, I know. Tape? I know. Well, let me. I will. Uh, yeah, let me do the tail of the tape because I know you I'm have. I'm so excited for this fight. You got a lot. Yeah, I know. I, I I've I've been putting it out on Twitter all week on our handle that I just feel like this fight is not getting the amount of recognition that it deserves, which is just absolutely insane because it's a heavy it's heavyweight championship boxing. Like I don't. I don't care what anyone says. Anthony and the guys jo- are awesome. It's not like one guy's a patsy. And yeah, listen, Joshua's got two losses, but guess what? Like Joshua, Joshua fights the best guys in the division. Like he has a really good like his resume best is resume. At the, at it's the just super. Division. Like listen, Fury's probably the best heavyweight. It's probably not even debatable. His resume. I mean, why it'd be wild? It'd be Wilder basically three. Like Dante Wilder and Klitschko is what's on his resume. Like that's it. Like that's Josh. It, yeah. Joshua has just plowed through some really good guys, and um, again, he's fighting Usyk. This is the second time he's fighting Usyk. Uh, this is this is this is this is a tra- and, like, I, I don't I can't even you get, can't I even can't, finish sentence. I can't even finish it out because I, I don't <laughs> I don't understand how people aren't just like super. I'm just gonna blame it on the zone because it's the zone's fault because the zone doesn't know how to do anything. Um, but tail the tape. Let's start with Anthony Joshua, the challenger now. Uh, age three. It's crazy. He's thirty two. Like I still like feel like Joshua is is like it is like mid twenties, but he's not. So thirty two, six foot six, eighty two inch reach. Out of his twenty four wins, twenty two have come by knockout. Uh, obviously the one his his last the last fight that he didn't win by knockout was Andy Ruiz two. Where he just stayed on the outside just and jabbed him to yeah, death. just just jabbed him to death. Other than that, I think you, you got to go maybe early in his career to where he uh, he did not win by. Oh no! He, oh, Joseph Parker, he didn't knock out. That's right. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, and Joshua is an orthodox fighter, which obviously is important because his opponent, the three belt heavyweight champion of the world, IBF. WBO and um, WBA and uh, unofficially the ring magazine belt is on the line because Tyson Fury is retired apparently 
Uh, Alexander Usyk, 19-0, 13 wins by knockout. Usyk is a southpaw. He's 35 years old. Uh, six foot three. He's so he's 35, given, huh? Yeah. Again, like, like so a lot of these European guys, like, they, they just Have stay a in the... huge amateur career. Yeah. They, a lot of them do the Olympics twice. And, uh, you know, that's why And when they come into the pros, like, you know, they don't waste their time fighting. Yeah, Drew. Four-round, you know, bullshit tomato cans. Like, yeah, 20, yeah, they're... like they're fights of six-round yeah, fights. Yeah, like, they're getting... Yeah, they're, they're like, all right, let's, you know... Let's 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 get let's get uh, you know eight ten round fights like ASAP. Like let's see what we can do against good like legitimate uh, opponents. Um, uh, Usyk, yeah, six three. So he gives up three inches and he gives up four inches in reach. He's got seventy eight inch. So that's where we are. Also, friend of the pod unofficially since we met him. Alexander Usyk. That's true. We do have a photo with the heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, Time is yours, man. You got the notes. You roll. You roll with it. Well, it's funny because I rewatched the fight. I took a ton of notes, and then I started listening to some other podcasts, and they were all saying the exact same thing I wrote down, and I was like, ah. I was like, I guess it's good that, like, my analysis you're see, you're is seeing, like you're seeing the the same, same thing that the, like the pros are seeing, but like at the same time, I was like, man, I thought I was gonna really break this down, but I'm still gonna break it down. So break it down, generation next. Break it down, homie. Uh, all right. So the first fight, obviously, you know, Joshua sat behind the jab, um, and Usyk just picks pick, picked him apart. Um, Usyk dominated the battle of the front foot. You know, like you said, Drew, lefty uh, versus orthodox. Um, the battle of the front foot is hugely important. Um, yep. And once Usyk was able to to win that battle of the front foot. He base it, it's almost like he went in there telling himself, okay, the right hand is going to be dormant. All you got to do is just isolate the left hand, create enough movement where the left hand, you, you, all you got to do is get around that left hand, that pawing. It's not even a good jab, just like a pawing, like like yeah. slapping jab. And like just, just kind of like get around that and just land and score. And that's what he did consistently and easily. And when Joshua actually threw the right hand, Josh was... I'd, I'd like to see his um, completion percentage on his right hand. It was actually probably pretty good, like, from going just going back and re-watching it. Um, but, you know, Usyk basically told, told himself to pretty much ignore the right hand and just get around that left hand and score, and he was, he was able to. Yeah, and I thought a big... Listen, Joshua... Joshua hasn't been the same fighter since the Klitschko fight. He's yep. relied more on his jab. And I mean, it's no secret. Everyone that in the boxing world will tell you that. He has he stopped being kind of that killer and really relied more heavily on the jab because he's got the reach. He's got the size. You know, he can just jab you to death and beat you if he wants to. And he's, and again, he was still knocking people out aside from, you know, like, oh, except for two people in his career, he's knocked everybody out. So right. even by establishing the jab, it just keeps him out of, you know, it, it keeps him out of harm's way at times, which is what happened in the Klitschko fight. Um, and in the second round, I thought that, I, I don't know if he got him with a temple shot or what, but Usyk hurt him. Like in the second round, so early in the fight, he hurt him towards the end of that round. So who knows what might have happened? And I don't know if that was in Joshua's head 
that like it got to him early like oh man like i'm hurt like i can't i can't do what i did in andy ruiz like the andy ruiz fight like i have to um you know i gotta try to i gotta try to box with this guy like i can't just i can't i can't just go for big shots and leave myself open for um for shots to the temple some of those joshua stumbles though were just the fact that the front foot you know uh usik's front foot was actually outside of joshua's front foot so when joshua tried to back up he was tripping over his foot a couple times at least twice okay um i don't know if the one you're talking about specifically was yeah, i don't think i don't think i don't think it was in the second okay. round yeah i think i think like i think he visibly hurt him which also i wanted to point out that um roy jones was the announcer yes um the color on the on the first fight um and for 90 percent of the fight i thought he was phenomenal I thought a couple times he kind of started leaning towards Joshua, where where like that kind that he, it's almost like he was like trying to will it into existence, and it just wasn't really what was happening. But I find that a little bit interesting. I don't know if he, who the announcers are for this fight, but let me throw this out there. Obviously, Usyk, Ukraine, he's fighting for a, a war torn country. Roy Jones is actually dual citizens with u.s russia, and russia. Yeah, russia yeah so i wonder if they would let him call the fight um just because he's a russian citizen calling a ukrainian fighters fight that might be kind of weird I don't, I don't know um and i mean i would expect him to do a great job again but just kind of like the optics of it are a little bit strange sure um anyway so, that was just a quick analysis on, again, everybody saw it, the first fight, but I kind of wanted to go down the path, Drew, of adjustments that Joshua has to make, and then adjustments for Usyk to make. You ready to go down that path? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, here, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. What? what? Well, what? I was going to say, because there was a lot of talk about, where well, you saw people um, tweeting this week about everyone's talking about Joshua adjustments and why Joshua can do a couple of things and win the fight but nobody's really talking about Usyk adjustments I was and this I guess this leads into it do you think Usyk fought the perfect fight um perfect no all right so go ahead go to your segue okay so let me start with Joshua first go Joshy uh, there's there's oh, obviously so I, I think you know everyone's saying you know got got be the bigger man, gotta let let your right hand go. Okay, I think that's easier said. Than I was that. gonna say yeah. I mean like, yeah. So specifically, this is where we this is where we'll separate ourselves and get down into the specifics. Okay, first way to do that: don't give up the battle of the front foot so easily. So how do you do it? You get on your toes, and you move outside of Usyk's uh why well, would be guess would be Usyk's right foot and to, to Joshua's left like cut him off cut off the ring don't let him establish that foot outside of your lead foot and when you do that you can come with the straight right you know that you're setting up the right hand by winning the battle of the front foot and you yeah. do that by being light on your feet now he's not a light on his feet fighter that's just not who he is but for a little bit like just to make that move like that like i'm not asking you to be you know float like a butterfly like muhammad ali just 
just cut off the ring be be big be big and broad get on your toes and cut and cut them off you know get 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 win that battle the front foot you're not gonna win it all the time but sometimes win that battle the front foot right um even if you have to like actually reach out and push him forget the pawing jab like you're just you're the pawing jab where you know i think I think Timothy Bradley and, and some guys on the Porterway said, you know, that's his range finder, you know, stick that left arm out. No, that that's where you're getting beat because that's Usyk is using that as his range finder because yeah. that that left jab is worthless. Uh, that's just letting Usyk set up his offense. So just get on your toes and just push him if you have to. Like physically reach out and push him. You have the reach like bully him if you need to um and then then from there then establish your offense the the punch i want to see the most out of joshua is actually well the i the left check hook some if if usik's really going to go to joshua's left but also like the uppercut had had some nice offense for joshua it's the got, right uppercut and so we 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 said we talked about this for the first fight like i that is outside of Outside of Deontay Wilder's uh, straight right, like to me, J- Joshua's right uppercut is the second most dangerous punch in boxing. I-, I think Joshua can actually set some traps for Usyk and get Usyk to fall into that mode that he was in in the first fight, mm-hmm. and and get and when Usyk's on the way in, it's almost like a check uppercut, like throw that big right uppercut. He did it a little bit in the first fight to the body and to uh, the chin. Yeah. But like that, those are the two things I think where he can have some success. Like, and that will set up aggression where he could throw combos and then really load up on that right hand. Like, cut off, cut off the ring, you know, win the battle the front foot every so often. A little bit of a check, uh, a check left, and then uh, you know, like a, a counter right uppercut is where I think he could really put Usyk back on his heels. My humble opinion. Um, and adjustment for Usyk. Let me uh, can, I, can I go Joshua? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, one curious to see if there's any growing pains with Robert Garcia being yeah. this being their first fight together. Um, that that that's the one thing I'll be looking at. And two, I think that Joshua has to go into this fight with the mindset of I have this this is this fight's going to be eight rounds I need to I need to get to him and I need to hurt him and I need to be able to get him out of there in eight rounds because um, if it goes 12 I'm not beating him I I had a yeah so uh, other than adjustments I also had a path to victory and that, that I had a little bit of oh that sorry there, yeah no, I was no, gonna say good. to me that's like Regardless, even regardless if he if he hits you in the temple and you, and even if you go down and you're like shake, dust it off, Taylor Swift that shit, and you gotta get up. You have to get up and just keep going forward, man. Like you know, you don't have to be reckless, but you have to. I just don't know that you. To your point, like I don't know that you can keep up with Usyk's pace for twelve rounds. So you just you have to find a way to get him out. Or again, that's. That is very easier said than done because Alexander Usyk is just—he is the more skilled boxer. I mean, he's, you know, he's—he arguably is number one pound for pound, depending on who you're talking to. 
but I think that's I you know, I think that's a Josh Rush. And he's got to go 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 to the body more because like Usyk like a lot the, the few times that Joshua hurt Usyk was when he went to the body in the middle rounds of those fights. And that's I feel that's always I feel like that the the European fighters are always susceptible to body shots a little bit more and they don't go to the body as much because uh, you know they're they have so much amateur experience and body shots mean nothing in amateurs it's all headshots so i feel like that is a disadvantage to them so i think those are two things that joshua should focus on go to the body earlier and he's again, not he's not a big body puncher himself joshua's not no no he's, you know, he's definitely not but you know if you're if you've you've felt Usyk's power, and if you don't think he has the power to knock you out, then you know get in there, be willing to take some shots from him to be able to you know to wear down his body a little bit. Yeah. On to Usyk. Uh, Usyk, not a lot of adjustments. I, I'd say his, the biggest flaw he had was that he pretty much just ignored the right hand, so the right hand actually landed. I would say basically do what you did the first fight. Um, but just just anticipate the right hand better and and have one or two counter ideas or counter moves for when the right hand comes is 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 all I'd say for Usyk. Um, what what did you have for Usyk? I thought I thought I am, I, I'm going path to victory after this as opposed to something tactical. I thought he fought about as near perfect a fight as you could against the big much bigger. Uh, guy. It was brilliant. It was it was absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Estadia. It's just like I, you know, when in his first fight with Charlo, like I, I don't really know. To your point, yeah, sure. Like defensively, he can share up a little bit better, but like that's not who he is. Like you know what I mean? Like that's not. Yeah. Like he he gets touched a little bit. Like um, you know his his whole thing is I'm I'm going to mentally break you. Like I'm going to make you're going to think so much. With everything I'm doing, all the feints and head movement, and, you are and you're, you are yeah you are going to be mentally and physically drained by the time we get to the ninth like the eighth ninth round like and then it's it's I don't I don't even have to like I don't have to have like game changing power you will be so exhausted that you know I could have I I could literally have pillow fists and you will go down um, that's how I'll break you I just. I, I again like I, I just I thought I don't I don't know how much better he could have been. So I don't I don't really have anything for like, okay. fight fight your same fight and just again maybe just be prepared for some of the like think about and I mean they're they're so that he's got such a well coached team, like be be prepared for, you know, the adjustments that you know like you know Joshua will be more aggressive. Like you know like that's I don't think that's a, you don't bring in Robert Garcia to go 12 rounds you know it's like you you know how he what he's going to try to do just try to anticipate as best you can yeah so again and now that's tactical stuff path to victory for joshua i have and 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 you you kind of hit hit it on the head is throw something big early and you have to hurt Usyk early because if you can hit him and hurt him early and like actually hurt him two things one that's going to slow him down yeah and make it easier for you two that's going to very much reduce his power um and that'll just set up the rest of the fight for for joshua to to land and score more so like if he wants to win this he's got to hurt Usyk early like if if he's if he goes three four five rounds and and Usyk is uh, i'm not talking about like 
Joshua needs good offense. Like, if if he wins three out of the first five rounds, it doesn't matter. He needs to hurt hurt him early yeah. Yeah. to actually win this. Um, and he, he he needs he needs he needs a a Tyson Fury second round versus Wilder in the second fight, basically. Yeah, I agree. Um, and path to victory for Usyk. You, and again, you said this too. Expect that Joshua is going to make adjustments, have counters to those adjustments, and more or less just frustrate him. And like because I Usyk's the master class. Us, Usyk is the one with the ring IQ. I I don't expect Joshua to have. I, I expect Joshua to have one to one and a half adjustments. I don't I, I expect Joshua to have plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. Like so, basically, anticipate what the plan A and plan B is going to be. Anticipate that Joshua is going to want to come out big early. Do something to counter that, and if and and do something just to buzz. You know, just give him a little buzz early, like like where uh, Josh was just like, "Shit, that was supposed to work, and it didn't. Now what do I do?" And once that happens, I expect Joshua to fall back into that first fight Joshua where he just has that lazy jab and then Usyk just mentally break him down all over again. Um, I wanted to throw this out there too in regards to Usyk breaking down Joshua's first uh, like adjustments. That first fight was, was in Joshua's home court. Sure was. Like, like the roar of the fans, like kept Joshua going at times. If Usyk can frustrate him early and kind of, kind of, you know, throw a wrench, monkey wrench into Joshua's plans, and the crowd is not behind Joshua, like you plant that seed of doubt where Joshua's just like, "You're by yourself. Shit. You're all alone here, pal." Ah, just like, damn it! Like, how do I beat this guy? And once yeah. that happens, click. Like, he, he got him. He's going to go right back to, like, early Anthony Joshua, like, first fight Anthony Joshua, and Usyk got him. Yeah. Um, and and down the predictions, I'll say that's exactly what I expect to happen. Joshua to come out with some kind of adjustment, Usyk to break him down, mentally break him down. I got an 11th round KO. I think Usyk presses the gas a little bit more earlier, you know, in the 12th round. It looked like he could have, you know, he had Joshua on the ropes a little bit. On the on the first go round, I'm gonna say 11th round KO for when they you mean when they stopped the fight with eight seconds left. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you have the odds for this fight, or is the app not working? Oh yeah, I got all the odds. Sorry about that. Let me pull them up. Let's do those before I give my prediction. Yeah, my bad. Sorry, I blew it. Um. Uh, okay, so Usyk is the slight favorite. Minus, is he? That surprises my- me. Minus one ninety five versus Joshua plus one fifty surprises me. So very close. Over under rounds, Drew. Uh ten and a half. Yeah, over yeah. is minus one thirty. Under is plus one hundred five. Yeah, so if jo- if Joshua is the betting favorite, then yeah, twelve it, and then twelve is the way it would go. U- Usyk's the favorite, not Joshua. Oh, sorry, that's what I mean. Sorry, if Usyk was yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, Usyk by uh, decision. Plus 170. Usyk by stoppage, plus 180. Joshua by decision, plus 700. Joshua by KO or stoppage, plus 250. Draw is plus 1800. I can't, the draw might be in play here. Um, yeah. 
Probably not, but it might be. Okay. Um. All right. So I have I have already said Usyk by late stoppage. With so our plus one eighty. Our our fan poll right now. Uh, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> Joshua by decision, zero <laughs> percent. No yeah. votes on Joshua by decision. Usyk by knockout, forty two percent. Usyk by decision, twenty nine, and Joshua by knockout, twenty nine percent. That's wild. Not one vote on Joshua by decision. That's pretty hilarious. Um. So I picked Anthony Joshua to win the first fight. I just, uh, I just thought he was, he was just too big, and Usyk just, you know, the Tyson Fury, Wilder thing just kind of stuck in my mind that he would, he'd sit on him, and that just that you just can't make up. It's just really hard to make up thirty, thirty, forty pounds. Um, and I'm gonna pick Anthony Joshua to win again. Wow. I KO. think that I do think he knocks him out. Um I just think one of the you can't prepare for Usyk because he doesn't fight like he doesn't fight like anybody. Like you can't bring in sparring partners <clears throat> and and tell them what to do because like you think no one can replicate what he does. I think having been in the ring with him now like I don't know. I don't know that he's ever had a rematch. Probably hasn't. Um, a little bit of that allure is gone of the mystery that is the boxing like puzzle that is Usyk. So I think a little bit of that pressure is off of Joshua, and then being able to just kind of tr- mentally train for that when you're doing your sparring and you're doing your you know you're doing your camp. Um, and I this is similar to my prediction for Charlo over Castagna in the second fight. I just I don't know what adjustment. Like I I thought Usyk fought the best fight that he could. I thought that was about you fought that was the perfect game plan, and it was perfectly executed. Maybe a couple of defensive hiccups, and he won. Like I I think when you have more room for adjustments, I usually lean towards them in the fight. So I'm uh I'm gonna lean towards AJ to redeem himself and uh, be a three time heavyweight champion. Nice. All right. Uh, two things I'm hoping for this fight. One, I hope to God we don't get Usyk is overrated after if he loses. Like I that I may literally quit Twitter and go to wherever their headquarters is and burn the place down if that's <laughs> if that's a thing that we get after this fight on Saturday. I I I I just give up on the world. I have no I have no faith in humanity. And two, I if I were after the fight, whoever wins. Well, if Joshua wins, Usyk, it would make no sense. If Joshua wins and they go, what's next? I, I will. I wouldn't even talk about Tyson Fury. I would be like Usyk, Joshua three. Let's do it. He got one. I got one. We're gonna do the third fight. And if they bring up Fury, be like, he's got, he's got, he's got ten days till that title gets vacated. Or no, not even six days. He can, he can figure out what he wants to do. We're we're going for Usyk Joshua three. Put the pressure on Tyson Fury to put his money where his mouth is because I'm a little annoyed with this like retirement nonsense that he's doing. Because if it ends up that he's gonna take this fight, and if if Joshua wins and they set this fight up, it's like he just kind of like a cornball with that shit to me at that point. Yeah, as great as he is in the ring, that's just like that's like TFE. That's like To shit. Like I, I don't like. You don't you you're Tyson fucking Fury, the baddest man on the planet. You don't need attention. You don't need to do that kind of shit for attention. So like that's how I, if I were Joshua and Hearn, that's how I would approach it at the end. Like 
be like, we're well, going we're, we're to do a third fight with, with, uh, with Alexander Usyk. As they say, Fury has more retirements than title defenses. That is 100% factual. So it's going to be awesome, and I can't wait. Uh, a little disappointed. Joshua hasn't put – and Joshua's not even hasn't even put merch up yet for this fight, so he just must be so focused right now. That's all he's doing. All right. Well, awesome. We uh, Longest boxing know, we've ever done. Full hour. We told Whew. you all it was going to be an hour – Deep dive, a lot of detail in there, man. Between Nico Ali Walsh, the Terminator, that Garcia guy that beat beat um, Colbert, Colbert. Yeah. Uh, this fight, I mean, her, I mean, frig, even friggin' Hergovich and Callum Smith. Man, there's Loma, so Deontay much. are back. So even, but just this, just this week, it just Saturday. I mean, yeah. like I said. It's, Friggin' Saudi to San Diego. There's there's so much. I am surprised. I'm surprised they didn't uh, they didn't make the they didn't make this Navarrete fight a Friday fight again. I'm a little surprised by that. Yeah, I could have seen that. But uh, I guess I guess I guess Joshua's. Uh, I guess that's that's at night. So. Oh, yeah, better, it's we not didn't, going head to head with anything. Yeah, we didn't even, we didn't even mention better. Be of uh, got hurt, so now his fight's gonna get delayed. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, he got hurt. So. It was supposed to be October 29th against Anthony Yards, and now it's going to be moved to 2023. Darn. Okay. Um, well, uh, we're just going to wrap up sports real quick here. Um, so we got you know everybody's... Oh, Hold wait. on, real, real, real quick. Uh, <laughs> I just I thought it was hilarious. Skip, skip, did you see Skip Bayless like, trolling LeBron's son over like a dunk that he made in a game? No. Do you think people realize, like, when they comment on that, like, like they're keeping Skip Bayless like relevant and like on the air? That's exactly what you're doing right now. It's just so funny to me. I just don't get it. I'm like, why? Do, why do you guys respond to that? Like, you realize, like, you, you called him. He's he's got his shit muted. So you called him an asshole. He's not even seeing it. But like all those clicks, like Fox, Fox, whatever, keeps him all. I people are just so dumb. Go ahead. Sorry. Our favorite minute in podcasting. Everybody's favorite minute in podcasting. The NASCAR. The NASCAR. Ka-chow. Ka-chow. Oh, I like that. Good good, good addition this week. And go. Last week was Richmond. Short runs looked fun, but uh, the leader was able to establish themselves for long stretches. Harvick brings home his second straight win. He wasn't even on our radar. We dropped a plus eight on the year. This week, my favorite track every year, road course. In upstate New York, Watkins Glen, the Go Bowling at the Glen, 3.4-mile track, 11 turns, including the famous bus stop. I freaking love it. Kevin Harvick has won here previously, but we're not picking him to win a third straight week. Hell no. We're going with Reddick plus 600, Larson plus 900, Suarez plus 1,200, Truex needs a win to get in the playoffs plus uh, 2,000. There's only one more race after this uh, before the playoffs start, and there's guys who need to win to get in. Um, so season winding down. My favorite track. It's good after a long day of boxing. This will be a nice little little cool down on, on Sunday. Yeah, love it. Not to mention all the all the preseason football. Jeez. Are you ready for some football? All right, parlay. Parlay. We hit, we hit the the quad last week, so we're up to like forty eight fifty or something. Triple it up again, baby. Triple it up oh, again, baby. Triple. Oh yeah, triple it. Triple threat. Okay. Um Saturday. 
Mariners. Saturday. Mariners over Athletics. Okay. Well, With the Navarrete sweetener. Boom. I am going with the Padres over the Nationals on Saturday. Okay. Saturday night. Love it. I was looking at that game too. Uh, so you got you got the Mariners. Yes. I got the Padres. And, and Navarrete to win. Navarrete minus twelve hundred to win. Just throw some sweetener on it. Just sweeten it up. Ciao for like forty five fifty or something. Boom. Like that, or forty eight bucks, whatever it was. Boom it up, baby. Love it. All right, finish whatever you got in beer one if you still got it an hour Smoke later. Welcome if you got them. Assume positions for beer two. Three, two, one. Ah. Founders all day IPA. All day, every day, baby. Same combo, same combo as last week. Keep yeah. keeping it frothy. What you got, Drew? It's almost time. It's almost time again for story time, baby. Uh, oh I'm, man, I'm keeping with this Montauk. Sorry. Right. Now, second hour. Last week for me to freestyle with Better Call Saul. Hey, you all, season finale. Time to rally. I can't believe that the show was over. Now it's time to say, Oh, my Dover. Couldn't think of anything rhyming over. Damn it. So close. And stay seated. My name's McGill. I'm James McGill. Bam. Mic drop. Mic drop. That was good. Saw gone. The ultimate character piece, (laughs) the ultimate character arc. Uh, it culminating in that exact line. The name's McGill. I'm James McGill. First time in his life he was actually comfortable with his own name. Quite honestly. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was. We said it. We said it last week. These stupid predictions. And I gotta say, all the stuff that I read and like stuff I listen to, I that I, f- I feel like that's a two a two brew original observation that the only person that really wanted Jimmy McGill was Howard Hamlin. Oh, that actually that actually appreciated him. Yeah, for, that actually appreciated that yeah. actually appreciated the person, not slipping Jimmy, but just J- like James McGill, Charlie Hustle was Howard Hamblin. Yeah, I mean you're right. You, you that was a great point out by you that that yeah. Howard was like, we should hire him. He's 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 a hustler. He's good. He's got go. He's got yeah. go. So he's got juice. What do you got? A pregnant, a pregnant, a, a pregnant Pilates instructor with a GED. She's got a kid. Anyway, uh, I don't even remember what that's from. <laughs> that's the uh, is it the campaign? Is that what it's called, with Farrell? <laughs> oh my! <laughs> He's got fucking juice. Oh man! Good, oh, good reference. No, I forgot about that. Nobody's got more juice than James McGill. Um, where do we even start with Saul gone? Hour forty minutes. I was gonna uh, say, yeah, you, you, rundown of the episode and what we yeah. Thought so blow we had blow. yeah. So uh, there were three premonitions in the episode, which I, I did listen to the Insider podcast, and it was uh, Peter Gould said it was supposed to, they they were they were supposed to have kind of a, a Ghost of Christmas Past feel to them. Um, three influential guys in, in Jimmy's life. Yeah, that's back. okay. I kind of see that. Yeah, I kind of um, got that. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. Like, okay, that's kind of cool. Um, first, the the beginning of the episode starts off with the first uh, first flashback. Uh, we get the teaser, the esteem in the desert. 
it, it's a, a flashback to hell of an episode uh, when Jimmy Jimmy's transporting Lalo's bail money gets attacked and Mike saves the day. The two of them are just walking aimlessly in the desert for two days, and uh, it this is I guess this is after they kill the the random. Um, cartel guy that's left and they're on their way back to that town uh it's jim they find this like giant water watering hole water uh, big cistern full of water yeah and you know jimmy's just going going haywire and mike which is a great line slow slow down or you'll, you'll make yourself sick which is almost basically basically saul's like fault right he always <laughs> <laughs> always goes for too much and gets himself into trouble but uh yeah and they're sitting there and uh you know, Saul is like, we should take this money. And um, he brings up a time machine. He goes, what would you do if you had a time machine? And Mike, you know, Mike brings up, Mike brings up at first, he brings up a date, but then doesn't talk about it, which I'm assuming had probably the date that his son died, was shot down by yeah. his partners. And then he goes, he brings up a date and says, that was the day I took my first bribe. Uh, and then I'd go back, I'd go forward in time and check on a few people to make sure they're okay, which, you know, he's obviously referencing Kaylee and, um, and the and his and his daughter-in-law, uh, which is interesting, Mike. You know, because you know, to him, it's like everything kind of went south for him when he took his first bribe, because that's what kind of led down to the rabbit hole of his son being murdered, which is kind of what put him on this this path in Albuquerque. And he asked Saul what he would do, and Saul's like, "Easy, It'd go." He he gives him he gives him the date of when was it? Um, Warren Buffett. He was at, he would at the day Warren Buffett took over or whatever it was that made him a billionaire. And he's like, I'd invest this million dollars into this, whatever was left over from making the time machine. And, yeah, Mike's like, nothing, nothing you change, just the money. And Jimmy's like, I'm ready to go. Uh, And then we go, comes into the president, Gene Tekovic. uh, Marion's calling the cops, and he's got his getaway bag. And, oh, they made this joke on the podcast. They're like, uh, don't get arrested in Omaha because these cops had their shit together every which way was blocked off they had helicopters like supposed to be in bumfuck omaha and these cops are right on him he hides out in a dumpster where he drops his diamonds all over the place so some lucky trash man's gonna be a a millionaire if he finds them um and uh he's trying to call uh the disappearer but the cops someone saw him go in there and the cops get him so Gene Tekovic slash Saul Goodman slash Jimmy McGill is caught. Uh, makes his one phone call, which was I thought was so funny. Called the Cinnabon. <laughs> yeah, can you can you get to make sure the schedule's taken care of? Uh, and uh, do me a favor, call corporate because gonna need a new manager. Um, he's in his cell. He's just like, this is how they get you. This is how they get you. Like, just so disappointed in himself. And then he see, I guess someone carved it into the wall. It was. A message: My lawyer will ream your ass. Is that what it said? That's, that's what it said, right? I still with you, Jo. Maybe not. Um. So, lawyer will ream my ass, which was sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm here. Microphone, a uh, little technical difficulty. Uh, ream, ream, ream your ass. Yeah, right yeah. there. I, f- I, f- I figured you were getting quiet because you felt self-conscious about that quote, but that's okay. Um, yeah. yeah. So, and then he gets this epiphany, and he starts knocking on the door for a second phone. For I need another phone call, 
and he calls Bill Oakley, which I was surprised you you didn't even remember who Bill Oakley was. Right? No, I was like, wait, who's Bill Oakley? He was he's been he's been around every season. He uh, in the first he was predominantly in the first season. He was Saul was the public defender, so I guess he was. Um, a prosecutor. prosecutor, yeah, and Saul Saul was always walking through the hallways and in the bathrooms trying to like cut like the deals to settle with them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, once you said it, I yeah. remembered. Yeah, and he's, I always loved it when when Saul was working for Davis and Maine. He was always like, "Ah, you got that sweet Davis and Maine job. How's the car? Is it German? I bet it's German." Like, they give you a room. They give you a room. They let you keep the car. You quit Davis and Maine. What an idiot. <laughs> um. So he calls Bill Oakley, and this is and Francesca had told him that he switched sides on that phone call. And he was a a public, a, a, you know, he's a you know, a def, public, not a public defender, but uh, you know, he was a defensive attorney now. And Saul calls him, and he like is like stops in his feet, like Saul, and he goes, "Yeah, man, it's your lucky day. You get to be part of the Saul Goodman advisory team." And uh, he's like, "I'm gonna put you on the mat." So ba- basically, he's gonna convince Bill Oakley to. Um, Help. He's going to be his vehicle to getting the right people in the right room for him to uh, to deal with when he gets uh, transferred back to uh, you know. So, so basically, to put he'll be he'll be he'll he'll get the publicity of being involved in the trial because Saul is the only one left from the high the you know the widespread Heisenberg uh, meth empire. Right. So you know. As all things, so and he goes, how do you? He goes, well, the DA, you know, the DA's got a warehouse of evidence against you. I can only imagine what the feds have. Like, how do you see this ending? And he goes, how do I see it ending? With me on top, as always. So it's like, huh? All right. So he's got a plan, and he goes back. Yes, Gene, the the, the mustache is gone. Uh, he is he is back as Saul Goodman, slick hair, walking back. And we get a Breaking Bad cameo. We did not expect. They're so, like I said, we, I, I always got a hand of these guys. They they keep these cameos and, like, the, the plot so well under wraps. But, um, yeah, Marie, Marie Schrader makes, uh, makes a cameo. And Saul goes in front of the, the, the DA, uh, a DEA lawyer, everybody. And they're reading off all the violations. So basically, they're gonna they're gonna wrap him into a RICO case, which um, they don't have to actually. You you don't actually have to have committed the crimes, but if you're a conspirator involved in these crimes, they can attach you to the same sentence. Basically, he can get attached for the same murder rap that uh, Walter White would for the DEA agents. Is how that is how RICO works. So they basically tell him a life a life sentence plus 186 years. And Saul goes, which to us, you know, we we've said it still makes no sense. I don't understand how they have all this evidence against them. Like who who would even. Yeah, Whatever. and so what what's about to happen is kind of what I've always been saying as to why why would he run when he could do this? But he asked for Marie to come in, which super weird that they would let her do that. But fine, so she gives him this spiel, which I never I, I, I never really liked Marie in Breaking Bad, like, and I don't I don't know that you're supposed to like her because she basically constantly belittles Skyler and thinks she's better than Skyler and everybody for that matter, um, and. You know, she just, you know, says, well, just tries to make, you know, make Saul feel bad and this, that, and the other. And Saul goes, yeah, I met your husband. Like, great guy. You're a victim. But so am I. And then he goes, he basically turns the table and says, yeah, you know, I, this guy came into my office, said his name is Mayhew, and offered me money. I turned it down, (laughs) turned it down, any lawyer would. 
And next thing I know, I'm getting attacked. I have a burlap sack over my head, and I'm hogtied. And I, they drove me out to the desert, and there they took it off, and I was standing in front of an open grave. And that was my introduction to Walter White. And he goes on and says, I just, you know, I feared for my life. And, uh, you know, he's like, why wouldn't I? And he cites the date. They murdered, These guys murdered 10 people in two minutes in prison. Uh, you know, another, uh, another uh, a colleague of mine got stabbed 36 times. He's like, so when it all went down, I ran, but not from the feds. I ran, I ran from them. It's like, Walter might be dead, but hell, Jesse Pinkman and these other guys, they're all still out there. Uh, just brilliant. And then it's like, he's all sad and depressed, and the, the head attorney goes, you think a jury's going to buy that? You really that? think a jury's going to buy that? He goes, one. I just need one. And, he just, and then he, flip, he just flips into Saul mode. He's like, Bill here tells me you're, you got a perfect record. Impressive. You should be proud of that. Jury's, man. Never know, right? Uh, and I, I really like that because because this is kind of what I was always saying. It's like everything they'd have against him is, circ- is circumstantial, a circumstantial I mean, in connection with Walter White. Like to me, okay, like I guess through that investigation that they got warrants and could do that, even though he's a lawyer, they found some of these other shell companies where he was laundering money. They, he had there was illegal stuff going on for that. Okay, so they could give him crime for that. But I'm like, why wouldn't he just lawyer the shit out of that? Like you know. He, there's so many different things he could do. Yeah, as his attorney. I, I don't even think that. I, I still think that it's tenuous at best that they would have anything solid against him. Yeah, and it was, but it was funny. I was like, that was all. And you, and I was like, it reminded me of uh, Law Abiding Citizen with Jamie Foxx and Gerard Butler because they basically let the one guy who committed the crimes go because there was a chance if it went to trial because of something, some some evidence that was mishandled that they wouldn't believe his testimony and they'd let them walk. And so Jamie Foxx cuts the deal because he's got a perfect he's got a perfect uh, conviction rate. And that's what sets off the chain of events. I'm like, ah, oh, it's brilliant. Like Saul, here he is. He once again is just exposing how how easy it is to manipulate the legal system and he's gonna get off here. And so they go through this whole thing and he talks he talks down a life sentence plus 186 years down to seven and a half years. Uh He's like, yeah, well, seven and, and a half years plus bluebell mint chocolate chip ice cream. ice cream. Plus, he wants to be in uh, the prison and the cell block where um, Bernie Madoff is with a golf with a golf with a golf instructor. Yeah, and they're going to give it to him. And as he's about as he's trying to get his ice cream, he's going to be. I got a sweetener for you. I got a. I can tell you about a, a prominent Albuquerque lawyer that disappeared. And they look, what, Howard Hamlin? He's like, you're not talking to your ex, are you? Sure, he gave up all the detail. And then you see Saul just completely just break. And he's like... Yeah, like she already confessed to all of it and and gave all the details. And he just like... It's almost a look of panic a little bit on his face. Yeah, it's just confusion. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Panic, confusion, like unsure of himself. Yeah, and then we get our next premonition or flashback if you will whilst we get our second walter white scene that we were promised and you're i think you i think you said it might be them down in the bunker i think you might have been right on that um but they're down it's him and walter in the disappearers uh bunker where they're when they're while they're waiting to get transported walter's just trying to fix you know use use science to fix a broken was that a question of where they were yeah they were in the bunker what do you mean 
You you said what did you say? No, I think when we were I think a few episodes ago we were trying to predict what the final Walter White scene would be, and I think you oh, suggested oh. they might be them in the um in the bunker. Oh but, oh oh I, oh. Uh, somebody okay. maybe maybe it wasn't maybe it was one of my other podcasts that you don't know about uh where we talked about that but they got set at some point and walter's trying to fix like a water heater and saul brings up the uh the time machine question again and of course walter being the you know the uh the science guy you know he basically says time is blah 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 come on time machines and he goes, let's just let's just let's just stop pretending, Skull. You're asking me about regrets. And he and Walter, who now at this point, uh, <laughs> he's killed. He's 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 responsible for maybe 20, 25 people dying. He's poisoned a kid. And Jesse, he basically just handed Jesse over to these Nazis to torture and murder him. And which was funny because he looked at the watch. That, that was the watch Jesse gave him. I don't know if you caught that. The watch that Walter looks at um when they do the close-up of and the 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 regret that he has is that he sold his share of gray matter um but to me the big takeaway of that was the two takeaways were one saul saul goes you know as that starts asking a question about gray matter and he goes man why didn't you tell me dude i could have i could have sunk my teeth into that we could have we could have done patent for we could have got we could have taken care of you and he goes you'd have been the last lawyer i would have hired and Saul's like jimmy's like oh right and then goes back, and then when then Walter asks him about regret, and he brings up a slip a, a slip and fall back in Chicago that went wrong, and that's why he's always talking about his bad got bad knees, and he finally explains why because he took a slip and fall the wrong way, and Walter goes a slip and fall. He's like, so you've always been this way, meaning like he's always somebody who just won't can't can't just can't admit his faults, right? Like can't admit when he's responsible for things. Um. Or I took it this is he's always been this much of a shithead. Yeah, yeah, because like he doesn't care, like he has no regrets because he doesn't, he just doesn't like think anything like really. Like that's yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and we're on the we're on. He's getting transported on an airplane, and he's talking to Bill, and he's trying to understand like, okay, what what's going to happen with Kim? He's like, all right, the, yeah, he's like, yeah, the DA probably won't prosecute. So he's like, okay, good. And then he's like, then he brings up the Cheryl part of it where Cheryl can take her to a civil suit and take her for everything she's got. And then he kind of, you know, he's got that worried, like, you know, lost look on his face again. And he then he then tells with a, a U.S. Marshal next to him, he tell, basically tells Bill, I got evidence that'll basically give him what they need for Kim. And this is how he's good. He's like, you don't know how good this ice cream is, effectively, which funny because he uh, – He's eating his mint chocolate chip ice cream when Nacho picks him up to go meet Lalo for the first time when he drops that cone and the answer all over it. But neither here nor there. Um, so now we get it. Saul's in court, man. Oh, Kim. Then we, we see Kim. She's back in Florida talking to these four ladies about friggin' which Outback Steakhouse and uh, or Thai, Thai food place is the best. And she, you can tell she's kind of like now that she's freed herself a little bit of – the guilt of Howard, you know, not that, well, the guilt's still there, but you know, she's come clean. It's in everyone else's hands. Now, uh, she goes to a free legal service clinic, which she always wanted to open. That was kind of the whole thing with her, uh, and volunteers. So she's cleaning up files, you know, and she gets a call from, I don't, I forget who that woman is, um, what her role is with, within like the justice system. But uh, it's the one who was prosecuting uh, prosecuting Huel uh, back in season. Oh, was she a judge? Four? No, she's an attorney. Um, 
I just can't remember. She's a prosecutor. I, I, I can't remember if she had a bigger a bigger role or not. But anyway, uh, and she tells Kim that Jimmy's basically going to testify against her to get himself a deal. Uh, we go to court. Jimmy's walking down the hall. Such a cool scene with this like awesome music. He's in. You can tell he's in a Saul Goodman suit, even though it's still in black and white. And he walks in the courtroom and he sees Kim, who's there. And the first time they've seen each other since the divorce papers were signed. Uh, and he sits down and goes, it's showtime. And they're about to get him his deal. And he gets up and says, can I, uh, you know, I, I'll put the court, court at ease as to why these seven years make sense. And the judge is like, you realize you're the beneficiary of, like, the greatest deal ever. Anything, any, literally any word you say will <laughs> can hurt you. And he goes, yeah, I got you. I got it. And he gets up and he starts telling her the story again, you know, about the first time at Walter White. He goes, and I was terrified, but not for long. I saw an op- I, I saw an opportunity and I took it. And he basically goes on this whole, everyone's like, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I, I'm, I'm doing this. And yeah, the, the guy who's his counsel, what was his name again? Bill. 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 Bill's like, Bill's yeah. like, ah, ah. and he's like, no, nah, I'm representing myself, Bill. You just sit back. Yeah. And, uh, and then the, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the DA's like, let him go, let him talk. So they swear him in and he goes, I was, he goes, listen, I was, I was instrument. I wasn't there. I wasn't there when the meth was cooked. I wasn't there when it was sold. I didn't witness any of the murders, but I knew it was happening. And I helped, I helped build Walter White's meth empire. I was instrumental. If it wasn't for me, like Mike's, like Mike had said, he would have been dead in a month or arrested and everybody a lot of people would still be alive marie's in the courtroom it's really the only thing i didn't like i didn't really like like the whole like i didn't like the whole thing that it's like somehow he's part yeah that was so much so many events had to fall into place for um what's his name to get hank hank and gomez yeah hank and gomez to get murdered that like they they act like that Saul was the murderer, and it was just like, uh, all right, let's just tap the brakes, just slightly. Yeah, and like, I, but yeah, and I thought that was, I thought that that was the only thing where I was like, all right, we don't really like this is too like it's too much that like okay, like I get it. Without him, Walter would have been dead. Like it wouldn't have happened. But you know, I mean, whatever. Like if it, if if these things don't happen, guess what? Like Gus Fring still, uh, Gus Gus Fring is out there still peddling meth to people. Like the cartel is still out there killing people. Like yeah, everybody else. Not that not that Saul. That's a, that's a big that's a big leap from yeah. Like I, that's, that was the only, like, I, I, the I, death yeah. of Hank, Hank and, and Gomez. That was the only again. That was the only thing about the episode I didn't really like. But uh, and you could tell, and he's like, oh, and I I just lied about Kim's involvement because I just wanted her to hear this, and she's looking at him. She's still not like. It's almost like she's like yeah, like you haven't. You, you haven't you haven't like done enough here jimmy and then he he bet he asked the judge to let him keep going and he then talks about how he's like what happened to howard hamlin and he, he odekirk's amazing in this scene he like actually cho- if you i watched it a couple times he like chokes up in it and is about to cry talking about howard hamlin um and then he brings yeah. up chuck and he finally says it out loud that you know he's never admitted because howard wasn't out to blame howard but he's like my brother was a brilliant attorney uh, but he was limited, which I don't know if he was talking about the the mental illness that he ended up getting or just like socially he was limited, but he's like, I, I should have done more to help him. Uh, he's like, but I did it. Instead, I took a chance. When I saw I had a chance to hurt him, I took it, and I got his malpractice insurance taken away, and then he killed himself. 
and I'll live with that. Which he's not. Ne- he's never copped to the. Rest. He's never even told Kim that. Like, he never even told Kim that that he was the reason. He was the reason why that insurance went up because when he went to go uh, cancel his insurance for the year that he couldn't use it. They were like, "Oh yeah, you already paid for it, so you're stuck." And he got pissed, and he like, did, he purposely referenced Chuck having a, melt- a mental a mental illness, uh, knowing that that would screw them having to pay more money. But not again. He just thought it would be all right. Well, it's gonna hurt them. You know, it's gonna hurt their pocketbook. Not realizing that Chuck would you know, go, lose lose yeah, their insurance, yeah, lose their whole business. Well, or not only that, but like that Howard would ask him to retire, and then. Chuck would get pissed and try to sue the, you know, like just the chain of events again. Like, himself, did, yeah. yeah, like did Jimmy, did Jimmy, you know, force Chuck to retire? No, but he caused the event that did it. So, um, and then that's when he gives the I'm I'm Jimmy McGill line, and they throw the book at him, man. They gave him, <laughs> he gets 86 years. So he's uh, he he he's before we see him go to prison, we get the final flashback, which is it's got to be pretty early into chuck it's we see chuck it was funny we didn't of all the people we were thinking about would we see in this episode we didn't talk about chuck well who would we see chuck one more time which probably made the most sense um and it had to be early on for when he went crazy because jimmy's making the pit stop he's got the papers he's bringing up the uh the fuji apples he's got the he's got the the ice bag from the from the motel uh and chuck's like you know, I can hire someone to do this. And Jimmy's like, no way, I'm doing it. He's like, why? He's like, I'm your brother, man. You do it for me. And, like, it's just, you can just see, it's like, man, like, Jimmy, like, Jimmy just, like, he realized, like, Chuck saved him from, you know, all, all this started from 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 Saul taking a shit in a guy's sunroof, <laughs> which I think you right. had forgotten about, right? Yeah, um, yeah totally. That's, that's why he ended up in Albuquerque, because Chuck, Chuck went back to Chicago to get him out of trouble. Uh, on the condition that he come to Albuquerque with him and and straighten up his act, and Jimmy just and Jimmy actually was trying was to his best ability do that um, and to take care of Chuck because Chuck saved his ass, and you know everything that happened from then on out with Chuck just he just was so jealous of Jimmy that he didn't want he didn't want him to ever be on his level. And they have that exchange in there where he's like, he's like, you want to talk about my clients, the the guy that uh, pulled pulled his dick out at the Hobby Lobby, and Chuck's like, yeah, you know, if you're not happy with your path, you can change it. And he's like, Chuck, you've never changed your. It's again, it's just another thing of, you know, Chuck was anything to get him not to be a lawyer uh, with that conversation. So then we get to Scott Saul's on his way. He ends up going. He ends up getting. Uh, put into the one prison that he talked about not one to go to adx montrose which is it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be this it's not a real prison but it's supposed to be a prison in colorado they just changed yeah. the name and he's on the bus and of course this crook goes back to him and goes do i know you he goes nope he's like no you're saul better call saul he's like nah mcgill i'm mcgill and everyone's like no you're saul come on man you're saul and they start this like better call saul the chant. whole bu- the whole bus of of criminals yeah, which was a little hokey, but you you brought up a great point that I didn't even see as to why they did that. So go ahead. Oh well, yeah, you were like, oh, that's kind of weird," and I was like, "Well, I think that all they wanted to show was like, hey, like his his career was basically helping criminals. So now that he's in, you know, the jail system, like the criminals liked him, and so yeah, it, it was just kind of it just kind of lets the fans know that like." All right, he's not in prison, like getting his shit kicked in. Like, 
you know, like yeah. Andy Andy Dufresne down in the basement. Kicks pushed. <laughs> I, I'd like to tell you that Andy fought the good fight that night. Yeah. But Which Saul and, and the uh, soap dropped the soap in, in the showers and had to bend over. And, no, no, nothing like that. Saul Goodman. Yeah, we're not. We're and not then, looking. And then they they kind of show him to it, like you know, in, in the kitchen baking the bread. Oh, I got you, Saul. And he gives the guy the, the guards call him. Even the guards call him Saul. That he's he's walking with a pep in his step and he's pointing at people and. Yeah, he's like he. Everyone loves every. Everyone loves they just Jimmy. Just want the fans to know that, like, look, he's in jail, but he's living comfortably. Like, yeah, he's, he's not, not. He's not. Yeah, he. he he's. He, we're not. You know, your your favorite guy is okay. In there. He's like, not getting shit. Yeah, it. he's not getting shit. Which which Peter Gould actually said, yeah, like that's yeah we yeah like that's kind of now that that's what that scene the bus scene was supposed to be, but the whole everything leading up to the final scene, which is uh as he's he takes the break from bread because they say his his lawyer's there and he walks to the room and it's no more no more plain jane eight dollar haircut and her childish sense of morality we got kim wexler back still a brunette but she's dressed up as a lawyer got the that fancy snazzy pantsuit and uh everyone's calling him Saul, and she she actually calls him jimmy so uh and they they share a cigarette, which it was it was a real, it was a callback to their first scene together in the first episode where they're in the and parking so many deck. other scenes yeah like they're in the parking deck sharing a cigarette and the only and the whole we we talked last one of the questions we asked last week is it going to go to color um, at any point as he gets caught here and, and it happens goes back which it didn't except for the only part of color in the entire post Breaking Bad timeline of Better Call Saul outside of his commercials was she lit. She she lit a cigarette and he grabbed her he grabbed her hands because she was shaking and the flame on the lighter was color and so it was like their their cigarettes burning, um, and they do the whole quiet thing because they don't they never say a lot in those moments and you can kind of tell she was both impressed and a little turned on. She goes, "You got him down to seven and a half years," and Saul goes, "Yeah, I did," and you can tell that he's like. Yeah, she's impressed by me. That's what I. That's why I got him down to that. Uh, and and then she goes eighty six. He's like eighty six, and it's just like, you know, he he just yeah. Well, we'll get to this in our thoughts of the episode. But yeah, so that they just sit there. They don't. And then he goes, you know, but with good behavior, you never know. And she kind of gives him a look like, shit. If any if anyone's gonna get out of this eighty six year sentence, it's gonna be it's gonna be slipping Jimmy. Huh. Somehow he's gonna find a way. Um, could have ended it there, but then they show her leaving the prison, and as she's leaving, he's he's in he's in the back, he's in the forefront of um, a basketball game, and she stops, and as she stops, he looks at her, and he gives her the the double barrel guns, the double uh, pistols, which to me, the and then city royal shirt, yeah, and then she she walks away, and as she walks away and turns, it's like just a fade out, and it's like him until like the wall covers him, and then the episode ends, which, and to me that was like the double barrel, like the gun was like. Yeah, like I'm, I you know I finally showed remorse and you know I I, I kind of I admitted to the, thi- the the terrible things I did, but goddamn we had, we had we had some we had some fun together pulling pulling these scams. Um, and it was fun. And listening to the podcast, that the original cut had her doing it back at him, but yeah. they cut. But they yeah. That's but what they, I was waiting for. Well, they cut that because they didn't want they didn't want the fans to think that slipping Kimmy was back. So, um, but regardless, I, would, I wouldn't have thought that. So I, I would have thought there was just more of a connection between the two. Yeah, me too. Um, so I thought the I 
as well as you can end. It's always hard to end shows. Most finale series finales aren't very good because um, it's like, what do we, what do we do? Uh, I really like the episode. I I loved how he sawed them and <laughs> he got him down to seven years after all that shit playing is because he's like, I just got to get one juror. And and again, like his story made sense. Like, yeah, we've been talking about it forever. Like what, what could they have gotten on him to connect him to Walter White? Because it's not like he's putting in his journals, like, you know, in his, in his shell companies, Heisenberg meth drop number seven. And <laughs> like, right, you know, yeah. like, he wouldn't he wouldn't have had that and it would have like to be able you just can't get a search warrant on someone's lawyer like he's their lawyer like even right. even criminals need lawyer you know what i mean like even bad bad people need lawyers um but i just loved how he did that it's like he he outsmarted him he's like fuck it i'm gonna i'm gonna play the victim card and i'm gonna talk him down because this guy's gonna be afraid of losing a case and he didn't know nobody's gonna want to look stupid doing this so i really like that I thought the mon- I thought his monologue in the courtroom was awesome. Uh I would have the only and I thought the end scene was the ending I thought was really good. And like the whole again, the whole thing with them and the cigarette, I thought that was a perfect choice to to end this the show on. Um they could have ended it there and I would have I would have thought that was great. Um if I could have changed anything and maybe this is because I'm rooting for Saul, just like I rooted for friggin' Walter White. Um, I, I, I I don't know that I would have had him fuck her over for the pint of ice cream, um, <laughs> but I still would have had him get that seven years. Like it would have been so good if after all that he just he sold him because I thought that I thought that him admitting him admitting to all that was twofold. One, he did it because and he wanted Kim there to see it because Kim you know risked everything to to come clean uh said she could you know like be herself again and not be hiding and i feel like he did the same thing to be someone she could respect again because the end that's all he was ever trying to do throughout the whole show like he just wanted people he wanted everyone to love him and to be respected and i i think he wanted people to realize that he wasn't just some shithead like asshole fast talker that was just like a schemer because even Walter, like Walter was like, I'd never like, like Saul's like, Saul's bringing up all, like he brings up all that stuff. Like we could have, we could have like sued them and done all these things that clearly Walter didn't ever think of doing. Who's supposed to be a genius. And he goes, I never would have hired you. are The last attorney I would have hired, but like, they, they, like he, he was a good attorney. You know what I mean? He just yeah. ended up being slipping Jimmy because of, you know, his brother, his brother didn't want him to be the attorney and wouldn't hire him. And then Kim just completely, you know, she completely crushed him. So he, he just buried himself as Saul Goodman. And so I thought it was like, uh, I'm, people are going to know that the greatest, like, meth empire of all time, like, that shit wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for me. Walter White could think he was the mastermind, but without me, again, he would have been dead or arrested in a month. So I thought it was, like, twofold what he did. I still would have liked to only seen him get to seven years, though. Um because admitting anything he did, Kim still not, nothing he did got Kim off the hook. Kim's because some people were like, "Oh, like he did that to to save Kim." It's like Kim is one hundred percent still liable for that civil suit with Cheryl. Like nothing, right. Jimmy. She has a signed affidavit that she was involved in this. Like he didn't say he, he didn't take responsibility for Howard's death. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Th- so it's kind of like, ugh, like. 
does he need to be in? Because to my to your point, it's like a lot of things had to happen for Schrader and Gomi to die and all that stuff. And it's like at the end of the day, like think about all the terrible, truly terrible people in the Albuquerque universe. The only person that ends up going to jail is Saul. I mean, a lot of people are dead, right? Which is terrible. But like Saul's the Saul's the one who really has to pay for all of it, which is kind of it's kind of whatever. But it's um, strange, yeah. It's like again, I I think you had to I I. It was it was funny when I kept I kept when they when they showed the bus scene I was like is somebody gonna break him out of this bus or then I was like shit is somebody gonna like stab him I was trying to think is there gonna be like a sad like fireworks like a big twist ending. or something yeah yeah or even even in the courtyard after they ha- after him and Kim share that like awesome moment together which might be their last one who knows when he was just standing at the basketball court and she was looking at him, I was like oh shit is someone gonna like shiv him. <laughs> while he's standing there and it didn't and it was like you said it best it was like the most natural um just came to its natural end yeah without a bang like a a very realistic natural end yeah like break uh, yeah unlike breaking bad where like walter's like blowing nazis to like smithereens Um, yeah yeah but Um, yeah i wish i i wanted some kind of a twist like the seven year thing would have been would have been good him screwing over Kim for the pint of ice cream would have been insane, but also like also so, would have like it would have fit though. It, like, yeah, like it would have been they they went they wanted to be able to redeem him, and but yeah, if, so if, they, cho- they chose to redeem him instead of yeah. like having him keep keep <laughs> being be, keep yeah keep so you were keep being which, the which, so you were always like this guy. Yeah, yeah. So they they set it up well because they they and uh, to your point of the ghost of Christmas past, like they do the three flashbacks with Mike, with Walter, and with um, um, his brother, and so it just kind of shows that like, hey, he was he was always like this, and he finally gets the epiphany of like, and and really the only reason he gets the epiphany is because Kim does it first. Yes, and then he kind of sees that she's at peace with it, and he, like she's the she kind of leads him to salvation a little bit. Salvation yeah. being like, you know what? I don't have, and, and I'm gonna interrupt myself because this this whole season, I should say at least the whole Gene timeline was just the fact that like he couldn't be a normal person. Like he had to keep doing the scams. He was addicted. Like he was. He was always insecure about who Jimmy McGill was, James McGill, and he was just insecure that he wasn't good enough. And everybody reinforced that that he wasn't good enough, other other than Howard, like you said. Yeah. And and Kim kind of liked him for the the scams, and so when Kim came clean, and she and he saw that she was at peace with it, that kind of paved the path for him to come clean and to kind of enjoy some of that peace and so that's what uh, the clip you played here to start start our recap when mcgill i'm james mcgill like it's so simple and it it really could be a throwaway line but like at the same time based on what transpired like it's the first time he's actually comfortable just being his own self like his own james mcgill yeah and not even Jimmy, like slipping Jimmy, like because Jimmy is slipping Jimmy, like just being James McGill. Yeah, like, yeah, I hear you. And and really, Kim paved that way for him, and he's just like, you know what? No more, like no more of this. Just trying to be somebody 
no more of the scams, no more running, like, whatever, the, like, if I'm in jail for 86 years, that's what it is, like, I did all this stuff, it happened, I was addicted to the, to the thrill of it, and I'm not doing it anymore, and Kim led the way, so that was masterful, the way they put it together, it was, <laughs> it was not very, um, exciting, but it was masterfully done. And well, when, when you finish it, it's not very exciting, but again, these guys have such a good right, talent. Right, right, right. Like the whole time I'm like on the edge of my seat. You're like, on the edge of your seat going, well, where's the, where's the plot twist? Where's yeah. the, where, like, where's the dip? Where's the turn? Where's the house? Or even after he gets these seven and a half years, I'm like, oh my God, how he, he's so self-destructive. How's how, what's going to be the next dumpster fire that lands here? He, yeah, um, you're just you're just expecting some other roller coaster ride, but it just it just comes to its natural conclusion. Like what yeah. what would probably happen? Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. And that's when that and they and they kind of they were on a podcast I listened to not too long ago. Ghoul was like, yeah, like that's we we try to go like when they do their when they're in the when they're in the, like the the writers room like that's kind of how they approach it. They kind of. You know they don't they don't have like an end they don't say okay this is how they've never had like an end game in sight they were like what's just the natural like what are the natural decisions these guys would make and how would we get there and they were like yeah like the ending it's not a, you know it's not breaking bad like fireworks but like hopefully like it's still surprising but we get to we get you know we got to a conclusion that it surprises you and, and it's some yeah and that it, it right yeah but it we you get to a conclusion that makes sense yeah. So, yep. um, so yeah. I again, I you know, I thought it was awesome. I, it was like I said, it was an hour forty, a ton of commercials, but like, which people, a lot of people were complaining about that. It's like it's network TV. Like, there's tons of fucking. Yeah. Like, right. It's commercials, guys. It's AMC. Um, like, what do you what do you want? Yeah, I could I could have gone for two and a half hours of that and still kept the uh, could watch it. I was also I was surprised they caught him so quickly. I thought this I thought it'd be a little bit more cat and mouse, more drawn out. Yeah, yeah. Before of uh, uh, before they caught him. Um, caught him in the first half hour. Yeah, not they caught him the very first Gene scene, first fifteen. Yeah, minutes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they caught him ASAP. Um, so yeah, great. Like I said great series. We uh, we have we we got some some top moments and some top. Yeah, five. I'll say to, to close it out. Let's. Yeah, we got our... some top, but we will after we've digested this a little bit more. We got some, we got some peaky to do and some other stuff, but we will have we will have a a better call saw Breaking Bad uh pot off versus yeah we might get some guests on here uh to talk we a lot a lot of people uh really love the show and in reality you couldn't saul was able and they say that a lot of these the creators say it all the time says odenkirk like you you couldn't have better call saul you you couldn't have gotten away with the way they did this story without breaking bad because you wouldn't have the investment in the character um because really, you know, it's it's just about this. Your way, it's the whole thing is, you know, they pitched it originally. It's the spinoff of this this like you know eccentric lawyer who he doesn't even become until you know <laughs> five episodes left in the entire series. Yeah. So uh, so you need both shows, but um, yeah. So we're gonna do basically a top twenty seven uh, scenes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> top five scenes, but you thrown all of our honorable mentions. Um, our top five characters of the series. So uh, let's 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 do some honorable mentions. I was gonna Jay. say, do you want to save our honorable mentions for last? Oh, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. You want to do, do what, you want to yeah. do characters first or the scenes? The scenes. 
The top top five scenes. All right. So so my I I didn't really put them in order. Um, oh, I, I did. Okay. All right. I'll you go first then. I'll put mine in order. All right. My number five. Um, <laughs> I I have um, it's a little bit of the of a crescendo, but Jimmy and Kim getting it on in the background where when Howard's <laughs> career is just falling apart. It just, they're just getting it on on the couch with the, with the phone on mute, and it's like they the ultimate scam has been pulled off. I just Leopold uh, Leopold and Loeb, uh, just oh, good call. Yeah, just it's just disgusting and uh, and just jaw dropping. That's great. Um, my number five is uh, when Jimmy meets Lalo for the first time after Nacho picks him up, and they're in that like weird garage. And you just tell Saul's like, I am so fucked here. And Lala's like, yeah, we got a legal problem. And he's like, oh, a legal, legal problem. For for a minute there, I thought I was going to be swallowing condoms condoms filled with heroin. (laughs) 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 No, no. Well, maybe later. And then uh, he goes into the whole thing. He's like, you're the guy for this. And that's where Jimmy, again, where Jimmy, maybe he couldn't have walked away because maybe they would have killed him anyway. But, you know. $10,000 $10,000 and he was ready to become a friend of the cartel. So yep. uh, I just, I just love that scene where he's like, he goes, heroin's condom, condom stuff with heroin. And Lalo, Tony Dalton's so great. He's like, maybe later. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's your number four? Um, the court scene where Jimmy, uh, tricks Chuck with the cell phone in, in court and basically just exposes that, chuck's quote-unquote ailment is just fake um that's just you think get, well so that was so that was my number two so but we'll talk about it together since we have it the same okay one. uh yeah chicanery which is the title of the episode that's so you you think this chicanery is bad <laughs> he's like the man the, the the billboard a man just happened to fall he's like he orchestrated he defecated in a sunroof <laughs> yeah but not our jimmy Oh yeah, great, tremendous scene, and it's the the uh, the debut episode of Heel Babino. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even realize he he was the one who uh, he he planted the cell phone battery on Chuck. Okay, you got me, Chuck. Dead to rights. Excellent yeah. scene. Yeah, I just that was that was quick. Yeah, that that may right that there. may be the best episode of the series. It may be. It's pretty. It's it's way up there. Uh, okay. My number four was uh, the Howard Hamlin death scene between him, him showing up at the apartment with the uh, the bottle of scotch and just basically putting Jimmy and Kim in their place. And and then just how terrifying it was that Jesus Lalo just walked in the friggin room and he's just standing there. He's like me. I'm nobody just here to talk to my lawyers. And you just see him put the silencer on and you just know they're fucked. And Howard gets popped, and then they're screaming. He goes, "Shh, shh, okay, let's talk." Just anything, Lalo is just amazing because yeah. Dalton, Dalton somehow, and I, I'd never even heard of Tony Dalton before the show. No idea who the hell he was, but it, just his ability to like be so charismatically charming and terrifying at the same time just made every scene better. But I, I thought Patrick Fabian. I think I think Juan uh, Juan Carlo won some obscure uh, award, best supporting award that they just had recently for tv uh 
Patrick Fabian should have. I don't know if he was nominated. That scene alone, he should have gotten an award for. I thought he was just fantastic during that. Um. So, so my number three was all, and I'm cheating a little bit, but all of Lalo just figuring out Gus Fring and his plot, everything from all of the all of the research with Werner and you know him being in in the in the sewer of La Cacarocha. Um, just, and then eventually his, his death in, in the, in the super lab, just, I could, I cheated. I couldn't narrow it down to one, but all, all of the Lalo figuring out Gus Fring scenes were just a lot, lot, any Lalo scene, just throw it in there, lump it in. That's good. Uh, my number three was the, uh, nacho death scene where he's out, he's out in the desert and he just gives on the performance, but gets basically he does he does what he needs to do to convince him that Gus isn't responsible. But then just basically gets to tell the Salamancas uh, to go fuck yourself, and uh, that just the the sweetener of and I I put you in that chair, Hector. So you, when you when you're in your nursing home eating your shitty Jello, you think of me. Great, <laughs> yeah. just just tremendous. That, that was tremendous. one of my honorable mentions. Uh, sweet number two. Kushada, getting Huel off the hook with all the cell phones. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> so I just, good. That is just peak. Mr. Oh, Bob, no, yeah, he going down here to our church no, now. There was, there was a fire. There was a fire. He's poor, a fine young man. <coughs> He's single handedly. Yeah, yeah. I'm, Can you call, let me know when that court date is? Because I'm gonna, we're gonna I'm bust the whole bus. We're gonna bust gonna the whole congregation out to Albuquerque. Oh, <laughs> brilliant! So Just absolutely brilliant. So good. Which, by the way, did Kim come up with that plot? Did what? Did Kim come up with that? She did, yeah. Scheme, yeah. That's yeah, because Jimmy, Jimmy was going to. He he was sell, doing the cell phones, and then she figured. Well, out he was gonna he he was he was gonna set up the cop that um was gonna testify right. against Hugh because Hugh hit him over the head with a bag of sandwiches. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, and so Kim Kim tried everything to get them to drop it, and they wouldn't. And Jimmy's like, "I'm you do what you do. I'm gonna do what I do." And then she figured out like how to get them to finally drop it. Yeah, with, without totally screwing the cops. Yeah, uh, um, and like, uh, like really breaking the law effectively. So yeah, yeah, that was fun. Uh, yeah, it was really good. <laughs> uh, my number two was chicanery, so we talked about it. So, what's your number one? Uh, what you said, um, Lalo coming in and killing Howard. I had that. As my oh number man, one. it was just such. I mean, that was the first consequential murder of the whole series right like um not would he, uh, of 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 uh better call saul like the first consequential nacho i mean nacho's death was was important but like it was i mean it was foreshadowed the hell of out of yeah um like it was it was it was they you know they gave you plenty of warning when nacho called his dad and everything and i'm just trying to think of if there was any other murders, uh, maybe maybe ha- uh, um, uh, oh for goodness sake, Jimmy's brother, um, maybe Jimmy's brother committing suicide was a thing. I don't know. Um, I mean, Chuck committed than- suicide. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's some, yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, you might. Pro- I mean that 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 um. There was no jaw dropping murder though. It was just yeah. like, oh my god, I can't believe that happened. Like, yeah, I mean that. Well, and that connected the two worlds more than anything. It, exactly. Yeah. So that that's why it was my number one. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, because even Mike. I mean, Mike kills Verna. But yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, touche there, salesman. What what's your number one? Uh, it's the most silliest scene, but I I watched this. This is my favorite episode. I watch it all the time. I, my two favorite side characters. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the line just to start it off. Rusty, I, I can see how upset you are, and even on a good day, you and logic are. But think <laughs> about what you just said. Criminals have no recourse, and you two, you're criminals, big time. <laughs> I, I I see you're upset, and on a good day, you and logic are. It's the way he does the whistle. So the scene, the kettle art. I I love the fucking kettleman's man. Um, <laughs> season one, like Mike, the the whole sequence that's, where that's where, where they run with that bag of cash out into like yeah. Well, no, no, that side. no, they did that where they were camping with it. That's when um they they're gonna leave H H. They leave they fire Kim uh, at H H M because she wants him to take a deal and. Uh, Howard puts her down in doc review and takes her office away. So Jimmy, they come to Jimmy and he's, they've already given him 30 grand as a bribe uh, that he called uh, a retainer. So he's got to represent them, but then he tries to figure out a way to get, to get them back to Kim. The only way to do it is the money. So he, he hires Mike to find the money in the house. And Mike, like Mike's Mike puts a stack of bills with um, like invisible ink on it. And he leaves it outside the house, so they think one of the kids found it. And Kettleman goes back, and he find Mike breaks in at night and finds the the invisible um, ink, and they got it hidden in the bathroom sink. So he takes it, and then Saul and him deliver it to the courthouse. And Saul shows up, and he goes, "Oh yeah, that money, it's gone." And they, she goes crazy, and he's like, he's just sitting there in the fireplace, like picking dirt out of his shoe. And he's like, he's like, yeah, come. He's like, you guys are criminals. You have no recourse. And they go on, and he's like, he's like, uh, she's like, we'll tell about the, the bribe you took. And he's like, you could do that, and I'd be in a mess of trouble. But then. Uh, but then you're in trouble, Mrs. Kettleman, because right now, Mr. Kettleman's, he's the only one in trouble for the whole embezzlement kerfluffle. <laughs> I just love that. everything about it. It's so great. He's like, but now you'll be, he's like, he's like, he's like, you'll be all right, though. You'll probably, you'll be in a women's prison. You'll probably be running your own gang. Maybe they'll arrange for the occasional conjugal. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's so simple. It's just, I just, I love it, man. It's just so good. So fucking good. Oh, that's funny. Uh... All right, you want to run all some honorable mentions here? Honorable mentions, sure. Let me just rattle mine off. Okay. Um, the nacho death scene. Um, th- this is more of like a-, a series of episodes more so than a scene, but um, I can't remember if it was Jimmy or Kim or the combination of them, but them basically just discovering that Sandpiper was a legitimate case, that was that was cool. And again, oh, yeah. just, kind of, just kind of validates how Jimmy's that was just Jimmy. Yeah, it was just Jimmy. Yeah, he did it himself. Um, Jimmy out in the desert with the bag of cash. That was just a wild sequence. Um, I, I hat tip everything with with the student film crew. Like <laughs> those guys. All, yeah, that was all fun. Um, Gus Fring getting away with killing Lalo. Um, mm. when they go in front of uh, Eladio, Eladio, yeah. And he's like, I'm insulted. And Hector, bling, 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 bling. 
I missed that scene, but yeah, that definitely should have been on there. That was hilarious. Um, the Gene Tekovic mall heist uh, was just a wild sequence. That was fun. Um, and then also Gus actually killing Lalo. Uh, heck of a scene. Chicales. I forgot about that. I get, we probably we should have, we should have put every in our top five every every time the the line sangre pa sangre sangre pa sangre yeah <laughs> any any scene where that is used is in the top five. Oh, that's great. Um, all right, my my honorable mentions list. Uh, Jimmy and Kim on the top of the parking deck after Jimmy's up board appeal gets denied to get his license back i really love that scene where he's just going nuts and he's like he's and that's it's another scene where he's like he's like yeah look at me you're you're you you think i'm just some scumbag that's that's that guilty people go to he's like you only you only whatever you're feeling sad about your life you want to come roll in the dirt with slipping jimmy and he's like you, you want to kick a man when he's down and she goes jimmy you are always down great scene uh uh, I love uh, when Jimmy this season when Jimmy uh, after him and Kim break up and then it goes to that little four minute sequence where he's now fully Saul Goodman when he goes to the hooker he goes oh breakfast bar points to the bar, money yeah. take take one <laughs> he's like pointing the money but he's like take one the Nutrigrain bars yeah, um, that's funny I love the scene with Gus in Hector's hospital be- or hospital room after he has the stroke and it's just him sitting in the chair. And it's just the two of them, and he Gus Gus is unconscious, or Hector's unconscious, and he tells him the story about how when he was a little kid, he made that he he got that lemon tree to, to grow, and then that like animal tried to like eat the lemons, and he like he waited for it for like days until he caught it, and then he kept it alive. It just like it just set the tone of Gus Fring and like the patience and like everything he does. Um, Hoboken squat cobbler. Uh, <laughs> that that was tremendous. Like, guys, come on, hobo could squat cobbler. <laughs> we made him fly. Which also, right before then, was uh, a great scene with Mike. Um, Mike, the first time that Mike meets that guy, and Simon makes remember Simon from Walking Dead makes the cameo, and like Simon's put they're they're the three. He's got the three of them. Um, they're supposed to do the protection of him when he makes the drug deal with Nacho, and he yeah. goes, he goes, what do you what do you what do you carry in? Uh, oh, pime- yeah. pimento he's like huh he's like it's a type of cheese he goes no your gun i don't have one and uh he's like if i need a gun i'll take yours and he goes that is just special like and yeah. simon was so good and then he mike just beats the shit out of him he's like a oh, big guy like you i'll take this gun i bet you got a cute little ankle yep yep you got that that was so I, funny i forgot about that scene that was um, a good one and then and it just because it was Simon. Simon, you got a pen, and you had you weren't even watching at the point, so I had no one to even go nuts about with it. Um, and then after after they uh, he gets Nacho to give him his baseball cards back, and he's gonna give him the uh, the Hummer, and he gives him all those instructions to take care of it. And Nacho, my my mom loves this lot. Nacho goes, I'll I'll make sure the boys at the chop shop are real gentle with her. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was really good. The Louisiana church scam. Uh, amazing. Uh, Mike and Hector scene with the not where Mike when uh, when Hector wants Mike to uh, take the gun charge off of Tuco, and he ends up after the twins are on the top their rooftop, uh, pointing pointing the gun pointing their like handgun at um at the granddaughter. He goes to the their like the Salamanca Drop restaurant and 
they have like the negotiation. I just and it had the twins in it, so I was like, ah, oh, I love this scene. <laughs> and, and Mike's like fifty thousand. Hector's like, oh no, no payment for you. And he's like, he's like, then we all died. He goes fifty thousand, and the gun is yours. Great scene. Uh how about when Nacho was out in the desert in that big thing of oil? That was awesome too. I thought it was I well, and when I first watched it, I thought it was shit. Like I thought he was in like a, a septic tank. Oh, yeah, it was an oil tank. So because I because I was down in Florida for that, and I was watching on my iPad, so like it was darker. And oh. I was like, I was like, wow, Nacho is like Andy Dufresneing this right now, and he's just <laughs> like he he is just he is just sitting hiding in this in this puddle of shit, so the twins can't see him. Um, yeah, oh, that was that was a great scene. Um, Lalo and Gus showdown in the super lab when when Gus finally kills Lalo. Um, the Jimmy and Chuck scene in the first season where Jimmy figures out that it was Chuck that called Howard to not hire him, and he's just sitting down with them, and he finally had they have the talk. You're not a real lawyer, and all that. That's heartbreak. Yeah. That's just heartbreaking. And uh, my number one honorable mention, which I said last week, low key might be the best scene of the series. To your point, is basically uh i already forget the words again that you that you said basically the tone of the series uh mike and nacho's dad the scene they had where mike the goes the to a thesis of the the thesis of like the entire albuquerque universe where he's like don't worry like the salamancas are gonna get what's coming to him we'll we'll get justice for your boy and he goes you gangsters and your justice you're all the same uh just it's, so it's just say justice or revenge uh, he goes, well, he says, he says, you gangsters and your justice. He basically says it's all just revenge. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. And he goes on and on. And, um, and I just like, cause it, that's it. I, I also, I extra like it because I feel like, I feel like Mike gets like, people love Mike. And I, I better call Saul made me love Mike, uh, more than I did in Breaking Bad, but Mike gets a free pass forever. He's just as bad as all these other people. Yeah. And then, I, I never really liked him. I didn't like him in Breaking Bad because again, I was, I, I was, I was. I, te- I just thought that yeah. there was n- very little arc, and the the actor had like was never asked really to do much more outside of his range. Yeah, Johnny Johnny Banks. Um, okay, come on. Actor. <laughs> let's uh, go, let's go everyone loves Mike guys. though. Everyone loves Mike, but again, I liked him in this better than Breaking Bad. But uh, it put him in his place. That like, yeah, bro, you're no better than anybody else. So, yep. uh, and that's it. I know I just rattled off like 15, but that's all I got. Nice top five okay. characters. I know we're running up on like three and a half hours here, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, the show's over, so we're never gonna do it again. Who's your Who's your number five? Uh, Howard. Howard Hamlin, nice. Uh, I actually I went with Mike. I I actually liked his um, historian in, in Saul. Four. Um, Gus. Uh, Gustavo didn't actually make my top five. I I thought we could have got more Gus in this. I'm, more, I didn't more... realize we were doing it, so I'm making it up on the fly. <laughs> That's all right. Uh. <laughs> my my number four to the most people be, I, I got kim kim kim's my number four i get that because the the list i just did in my head trying to i oh i had her as my number three uh okay well kim's my number four yeah. great character she was she wasn't even going to be a main character until they realized they had gold in the relationship with her and jimmy and kim wexler was like could be the next spinoff if their next shows go to shit it's gus 
Let's guess. Uh, the the next, next, the next yeah, but it, it wouldn't be. It couldn't be Giancarlo. They'd have to find they'd have a to younger use. person. And then I we think we need to know what happened in Chile. <laughs> Santiago. <laughs> need to know. What's your number three? Uh, Kim. Oh, Kim Street. Yeah. Uh, I originally had Kim at three, but I had I had to move him up. Fucking Lalo, that that fucking Lalo Salamanca. <laughs> He's three, man. He, dude, he, he he wasn't in in it as much, but goddamn, man, he he is. He's the DIA. He's my uh, my heat check. What I what's my award that I always do? Per thirty six. My per thirty six MVP. Fucking Lalo Salamanca, man. Tony yeah. Dalton. Just, well, he was—he's my number two. I was—I was almost put him as my number one. I, I had to really think about it. He really—he really is two. so good, man. And you know what? They—they they brought up a great point on this. Um, he's truly the only happy character in the entire show. Here, yeah. He in this whole in this break in this Better Call Saul series, he is the only guy because he knows what he is and he doesn't care. He's just—he is the only person that's truly happy of all of these yeah. characters that we've come to know in the in yeah. the uh, Better Call Saul universe. L- Lalo's my number two. Okay, Nacho's my number two. Oh wow! I really, I do. I really like Nacho's character. I, I dug him, man. I really not uh, for me. He wasn't not for me. So, did you have Mike number five and Nacho number two? I did. Two of them that weren't even in mine. I did. Yeah. Number one was Jimmy for me, obviously. Yeah, Jimmy's he's got to be number one. The um, character arc was so good. Yeah, how you know? No, I'm kind of maybe I should add Howard in there instead of Mike. How, I just yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, Fabian was good. Well, I I honestly meant to say um, Jimmy's brother, but I Chuck. Uh, Chuck, yeah. But then Howard came out. But now that <coughs> I said it out loud, <coughs> I actually am sticking with it because I just I just like that Howard just he he was the only one that was like truly like a hard worker. I, maybe not maybe not that I shouldn't say that, but like I don't know. He was just. He was just the only straight one on the show. He was the straight shooter. Even even when Chuck was trying to, when Chuck was that whole thing with Jimmy, like he tried to warn him, like just he 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 he, he could have. He's like Jimmy's not worth it. And Chuck just and which and again I was trying to work this into the podcast somehow, but I couldn't. But the, they both both of these I didn't, I never realized Saul said it in that end the end of the sequence where after Kim and him break up and he becomes Saul. And he says the line, and I didn't realize Chuck had said it. In Chuck said it right before he went to um, to testify against Jimmy in chicanery. Let justice be done, even if the heavens fall. Um, yeah, like Howard was like he's not like Howard. Yeah, Howard. Howard was really the only one who like was trying to do everything by the book. Yeah, like Howard worked hard. Like he yeah. he his faith was put into things that were worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and he just got screwed over by everybody. And he, even his wife, uh, who you're supposed to and feel even, sorry for. Yeah, yeah, even his wife treated him shitty, and it wasn't even his fault. Yeah, and he, and that's why, in part of his, he's like, He's the final, only true victim of the show. Yeah, and his own, like, his, that's why in his, like, his monologue to those guys, he's like, what gives you the right to do this to me? Oh, because you guys had to struggle, and, oh, Howard's daddy, get, you know, got him where he was. But, like, I've had to work through depression, debt, you know, my marriage falling apart. Like, people, he just, he has the... He gives off the appearance that everything is is perfect, but he actually behind the scenes is working his ass off to keep everything afloat. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Him and and I guess not. I mean, he doesn't die, but I mean, he loses his son, Nacho, Nacho's dad. Yeah, but his dad isn't. His dad's like 
sad and depressed. Like, oh like, yeah, that's fair. I guess Howard, Howard, like I said, is like, uh, what, what did I? I forget what I. You said, said he's the only. He's the true. He's like really the only true victim. The only the true yeah. victim. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah hey, Nacho's dad. Yeah, but Nacho did that. Like Nacho. Yeah. Nacho. That yeah. World. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Good call. So, right. so like his dad was circumstantial. Yeah, Howard. Yeah, yeah, good call. But Howard's oh. the only true victim in the show. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'll, I'll I won't change it because I, I, yeah, I won't. But yeah, yours is yeah. I like Fabian there, and he was. And it's so funny. The only other thing I've seen Fabian in, I didn't. He was he was the college professor in Saved by the Bell, the college years, which was fucking terrible. Oh. I've never. They just hit home runs. Like I don't Ray Seahorn like. I don't know what else she's been in. She did a few episodes of Veep. She's a, she's fifty years old, which is crazy. And like this is her breakout role. Like they yeah. just hit home run. Like Odenkirk is is popular. I know that, but like John Carlo Espinito. Like I didn't really before Breaking Bad. I had no idea what he was in. Yeah. Banked, Banks Banks ba- Jonathan Banks is a very he. You're right to your point. He does he doesn't do a lot of range. Like he does what he does and does it really well. But he's not asked to do a ton. Um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, they just man the casting like these guys are grabby. It just all came together. It and and this is what I always say too. It's when you when you have it's all about the plot in the end. And like when you have a, a an impeccable plot and you have good writing, like yeah, the writing and the storytelling. This, then then yeah. then you slot in the the casting and that and that's kind of like in my mind the last piece like. Like like I we always go back to Lost right like like the characters were great the writing was great the acting was great but like the plot was just such shit it fell apart that, yeah that like it wasn't even good by the end and like the and, and same thing with Walking Dead like the actors are acting their asses off like the like the special effects departments and the props departments making it rain out there but like the plot is just such shit. Yeah, and like and that's, this was good. This was really good. And, and that's like, and that's one good thing about these like the two shows about and what probably is why they were so good. They didn't keep going. Like they Breaking Bad could have went off a for natural ten, conclusion. They could have went on for ten seasons and just like you know drug shit on, put filler, giving us episodes of Walter with gray matter. But they you know five seasons they were out. Better Call Saul six seasons they were out. You know yep. they knew. They didn't drag it on. They they're like, here's the story we're gonna tell, and once it's like we're out, like we're done. We're not gonna keep. We're not gonna keep going. Yep. So yeah, uh, I'm with you. And then Odin Kirk, Odin Kirk, and uh, Juan Carlos Esposito. They have they're getting their own shows on on AMC that start in 2023. Yep. Straight Man and Parish, and uh, I don't I don't know what Gillian and Gould are doing next, but I'm uh, I'm intrigued to see what they do outside of the Breaking Bad universe. Yeah, I agreed. Kim Kim Wexler, attorney at law. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, you know what, man? Over two hours, we covered like two topics. The most in depth we've probably gone on on such a, like a, a narrow band of topics. <laughs> we we crushed it. Good job, Drew. Shockingly, um, I don't think this is our longest podcast ever. I don't think it is either. But um, it was uh, tremendous, all the same. All right. Look! Look for the uh, three Photoshop photo dump. It's coming. Hell yeah! And next week, or yeah, we're gonna Je- the House House of Dragons debuts on HBO Max on Sunday. Jo has not watched Game of Thrones. Nope. I'm not asking him to, but I wanna I wanna get your I wanna get your thumbs up, thumbs down, uh, gladiator moment here. 
on okay. the premiere of House of Dragons. Be ready next week for it. All right, sounds good. All right, Drew, as usual, man, good talk. See you out there. Big kisses. Sit down. Pull you that first round. You got an open count, toss it out. Everybody's cold right now. Stir up the crowd. Get you that second round. Go on and throw it out. Talking about anything that makes you get loud. <laughs>